Folks, the 10K Invitational is making its third annual appearance this year in July, and we're having it on Friday, July 28th. That's right, a scramble on a Friday. Don't ask me how we were able to swing that. We got to give credit where credit's due. Eli Six Iron Peterson somehow was able to coerce the Hastings Golf Club into letting us do a scramble on a Friday, but it's a 1 p.m. shotgun start scramble format, both handicap without handicap. Your team fee includes your golf, your cart, range balls, a special gift pack with our logo 10K takes on it. There's dinner afterwards right at the clubhouse. And all the money goes to a great cause, Give 16, which is Jason and Carly Zucker's charity, helps fund the Zucker Suite Broadcast Studio, as well as just general programming at University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. Amazing cause. It's been an amazing tournament. Jason and Carly will be driving around, mingling with the people. And it's just a great event. So if you want to sign up, I would do it soon. Seven signups in the first day, by the way. And that's not even anyone from 10K. I know 10K ourselves is going to have three or four teams. So you got to sign up quick. Go to 10ktakesmn.com. Hover over the events tab. You can see the page for the 10K Invitational. You can sign up there. And if you own a business or you know anyone who owns a business that would want to support it and sponsor, you can also click on the link within that page to sponsor the event. So no, you don't even again, have to own a business to sponsor, right? If some guy named Ted wanted to sponsor yeah. a whole, Ted could sponsor a whole. If you have fuck yep. you money and you just want to put your name on it and basically let everyone know that you're supporting the children's hospital harder than, than everyone else. Than everyone else, then you can do that. Once again, it is the link is embedded on the sign up page. Third annual 10K invitational, a Friday scramble, which I've never been a part of a Friday scramble. Yeah. I never thought that was possible because golf courses usually don't allow it, but Hastings Golf Club was nice enough to let us have a third or a Friday afternoon scramble, which is just going to be incredible. People are going to be getting after it. It's going to be the end of the week. It's going to be rowdy. It's when golf should be played, you know, Friday right after work or uh, or just take work off for it. But once again, great charity event. Go to 10ktakesmn.com, hover over the events tab, and sign up now. On today's episode of It's a Bit, joined by a very special guest, Darby Hendrickson. He's a former NHL player, including a five-year stint with the Minnesota Wild's original team, and he's been an assistant coach with the Minnesota Wild for the past 12 years. So awesome interview with Darby, Wild legend. We're also going to give our bits of the week, as always, and end the show by ranking our top five favorite public golf courses in Minnesota. No, we're not daddy's money. As much as the rumors may say that this house is funded by our daddies, it's not. We're public golf course guys, so we're going to rank our top five public golf courses in the state of Minnesota. All that and more on It's a Bit. This is the It's Bit podcast, presented by 10,000 Takes. Burgeoning empire called 10,000 Takes. This is the It's a Bit podcast featuring boss man, wags, and journalist Jake. Journalist Jake's a bitch, motherfucker. Hey, you know those guys that do 10,000 Takes? They do some funny bits, right? They're good. They're funny dudes. Yeah. 10,000 Takes. You're hanging with the number one podcast in the Twin Cities. It's a bit with 10,000 Takes. Last name ever, first name greatest, like a spring. All righty, folks, welcome back to It's a Bit, presented by 10,000 Takes. My name is Boss Man, joined by my full crew, producer Cam, journalist Jake, and Wags. And the Saudis officially own the PGA Tour as of today, fellas. I mean, do we give the Saudis a round of applause? I don't know. <laughs> no, we don't need a round of applause. I know we applause. usually kick off round of applause with these announcements. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if the Saudis deserve that. What did so? Do they officially own it? Is that what the they, deal is? They merged. Based, they merged. So they merged, but I'm, 
but the PIF, the public investment fund, which is the Saudi government, yeah. basically is going to be funding it, which usually means they're going to get to make all the decisions, right? If it's their money. I would think, but that, uh, what is it, Jay Monahan? he's the CEO of the board, allegedly, but he's being controlled by that money, so yeah. I don't know. But it's so funny, they call themselves the PIF, it's like, that's just their way to try to hide, you know, that it's the Saudi government. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, you know, was, you know, was technically yeah, where's this money 9/11. coming from? The public yeah. investment fund? Oh, that's oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the public oh, really wants this. Public yeah. investment fund, that sounds nice, there's a good hook to that. Isn't the public investment fund just taxes? If you think about it, uh, it's oil money, isn't it? Yeah, but like in general, if you were to hear that term, yeah, tax. That, yeah, public that, inv- that yes. saying is so, or that that title is so misleading. Like no. it's a public investment fund. Like everyone gets a, a say who's putting their money in it of where the money goes and what it's doing. It's like no, we're going to pay a thirty-five-year-old soccer player three hundred fifteen million dollars annually just to play soccer in our country. It's like I don't know if the public is in on that. I yeah. mean, that, that's fuck you money. <laughs> they have yeah. so much money over there. It's absolutely crazy. Well, I'm so confused, though. So I was like reading an article on it, and they I'm just confused ex- exactly what they're trying. Is, are they legitimately going to merge all events? I, I heard it was they're merging to create a new event or something. I feel like it's still going to be branded as the PGA Tour because yeah, that, the history, that yeah. brand has yeah, the most worth. Right. But it's like a new organization that has the Live Tour, the PGA Tour, and I don't know how the fuck this happened, but the DP World Tour snuck in there, and they've been struggling for years to be relevant. You know, you have you do have a lot of great events on the DP World Tour, but not a not a impressive field. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Tommy Fleetwood is like the biggest name who regularly plays over there, yet he still plays in a lot of PGA events. Somehow they snuck into the deal as well. So we could be seeing the first ever rendition, which this is the way it should be, but maybe in a better way, of like a world golf tour. Yeah, because everyone is playing on the same tour all around the world every week. So this essentially gets rid of the uh, Euro World Tour or yes, Euro, the European World European Tour, which tour. is which is the DP World okay, Tour. Okay, right. That's okay. the that's does, the sponsorship. Does name. this mean we legitimately could get a live PGA Ryder Cup? Not really, because they're all going to be the same thing now. But they're so they're still they're not separate events still. No, oh. no. So I mean, there's not a lot of information. We're we're recording this literally Tuesday night. Yeah, like, the the news dropped on CNBC this morning without any warning which usually this kind of stuff leaks yeah, yeah. apparently negotiations have been in for seven weeks yeah and like that's crazy no one leaked it which is pretty impressive i, def- I saw like a few pga members mad like um some someone tweeted out earlier today like yeah and they call this a players run league it's obviously not a players not run league if only money. four four fucking people knew about this deal because i don't know any other organization where they keep something that big that secret because well, you know rory and tiger on a lot of them probably would have said no let we're not fucking giving into them, the public investment fund and the people who, when it lived, like we, we cursed them. Like they literally were the reason why we were disrupted last year. Like they're like, well, we don't want to keep them out because they're going to say no. So Tiger Woods turned down $800 million to not be in this league. I mean, how pissed would you be if you turned down that money and you stood the high ground and you defended the moral PGA tour with legacy and history just for them to give in like six months later. Slap, That's crazy. Slap in the face. It just, I mean, like you get it in, in their defense. Like they didn't know this was going to happen probably a year ago. Apparently Donald Trump knew uh, he had like a whole tweet. About Trump it. always knew. Yeah. He just always knew it was going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're just, I think they probably still are thinking like, well, I took the high ground then. I didn't know this was going to happen, but so this, but this gets rid of the live tour then. Completely. Yeah. The live yeah. tour is essentially I mean, gone. It's just going into probably what is going to be called the PGA. I'm just curious. I know we don't know, but like, I'm curious if they're going to do like what's going to happen to all the 
what's hap- what's going to happen with the main PGA Tour schedule, like the three I'm open, or how are they going to yeah. implement the team system? And are they going to implement the team system amongst the, the entire I, tour, I or just certain that. events? Yeah. It might be just like they might do live tour like events, like three times a year or something. So I, I found out today that the the long term plan of live, which was never going to work, was that they were going to build up these teams and then essentially sell them to various billionaires who own like you could own the flying aces yeah similarly to like how a, you, you could F1. own the minnesota vikings yeah okay or you could huh. right like it, it was going to be like a legitimate league of 12 teams are we getting walk-up songs in pga tour i mean yeah i hope <laughs> the one thing that i did like about live over the pga tour was that live was cool it was hip mm-hmm. and it was it was fresh but it was a little too fresh so maybe something in the middle would be good but they have all the money now and they're going to be the ones funding it and you know, while this, uh, uh, what's it, Jay Monahan is the CEO of this new tour. He's it's crazy. He's going to have a fucking sword on his back at all times, you know? So yeah. it's, I it's, doubt things are going to really even change that much. No. The PGA doesn't like to change that much. I feel like this was out of necessity. I feel like both sides feel like they won because now the live tour, they get to be part of the PGA tour. I honestly just feel like it's going to be, there might be some small changes, but I feel like it's going to be status quo. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all going to be under one roof, which is, a positive that's yeah. big like it reminds me of the ufc were buying up all those organizations back in the day like pride they bought pride they just essentially integrated their roster yeah yeah well, so. that's uh, yeah i agree i think that's all that's happening it just was such a big deal that they talked so much shit about live tour especially the jay monahan literally saying if you go to the live tour you support uh 9 11 yeah. yeah that's pretty much what he that. was saying and now you literally just merged and took all this money from that same investment fund from saudi arabia that you totally shit on a year ago yeah, it's, Luke, it's insane. Luke Skywalker basically merged with his dad. <laughs> Darth Vader is what well, happened. Yeah, that or or you know, you could say this is like Anakin going to the Sith. I yeah. saw uh, someone tweeted it was like, Yeah, Jesus Christ just merged with the devil today. I'm like, that's just calm down. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's maybe a little too far. It's a little extreme, mer- like, but... well, like like Zane was saying, these mer- mergers happen all the time. I just think there's just the, there was more tension in recent years between two leagues that we have seen with Liv and like PGA. So it's like well, yeah, essentially I see it as a roster buy. They're yeah. buying their roster. They want them back. They're merging the rosters essentially they're like so. we want these i think they saw brooks kepka gaining traction now that he won and all these live guys were actually playing well in majors and they're yeah. like well shit they should be on the tour so they're like we need to find a way to get them back or they saw an opportunity to get those guys back like well let's just make something happen i don't I, know uh i heard that the saudis are trying to get into mma too dana white better watch out yeah because well didn't uh did the saudis buy wwe or is that something no else? they were going they to were, it it got, through. It got, okay. yeah. but i know that they've been putting a shit ton of money into boxing yeah like they're trying to have fury fight there yeah and they're trying to do yeah. wilder there too yeah so we're like dana white better watch out because they have money oh yeah and well he already worked with the saudis where was fight island right exactly. yeah <laughs> so, i mean it's, yeah it was abu dhabi but it was definitely funded by the by the um saudis what we yeah. heard yeah the saudis already have to have some sort of involvement in the ufc don't they like pay through big sponsorships and whatnot i mean i, I mean a lot of their fighters i definitely probably have some connections yeah. over to the public i'm pretty sure there's fund. some money yeah. coming yeah. in i'm from pretty saudi sure you could safely assume the saudi investment fund has hands in every sport yeah whether you know about it or not they invest (laughs) in really big companies that are global that essentially sponsor sports teams and leagues so like because that was the whole thing that was hypocritical with the pga tour was like jay monahan was coming out and saying that you know the 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 saudis are bad blah 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 but then people were like yeah three of your top five sponsors of the tour are funded by the public investment fund in saudi arabia so like they're involved in everything one way or another. It's just a lot more obvious now. I'm, not, I'm uh, glad that we pointed out earlier, like, what a genius move it was for them to call it the public investment fund. I know. Yeah, that was just, like, a, a class That's A awesome. move. Yeah. Otherwise, they 
wouldn't be as appealing to partner with them on things. No. Yeah. They're called the Saudi Arabian government. Saudi oil blood, fund. <laughs> blood money fund. Blood money fund. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like you said, they're probably, they're involved in a lot of sports. They're not involved in just that. They're involved. They're probably have a hand in my pocket as well. in some way, shape or form. I yep. don't know. Maybe through via taxes. They're There's probably definitely involved in the a company, government. a company you've given your money to yeah. that is funded by them. There is a 100% chance that's oh, true. For sure. And they're probably somehow involved with the American government. They actually, well. you know what? I, I heard they just, bought 10,000 takes too oh yeah we should see it's if, official we should see if they want a media company in minnesota <laughs> we make a big deal public investment fund has made a deal to to purchase rights for 10k media llc and people be oh. people would be like who <laughs> would we take what? the blood money no we'd get canceled then we no can't. but it's called the public investment fund. oh that's yeah. right yeah yeah okay that's fine then it's official yeah it's fine well they they own golf too what, what are you gonna do yeah. they own us money eventually, talks man. yeah money talks eventually they're gonna own all the big dogs right yep Anyways, please don't let that happen. We'd all be fucked. No, yeah, we're uh, yeah, we'll stay far away from those guys. I mean, I don't know. I mean, because if uh, if they offered enough, they seem like they have a lot of money over there. If they offered enough money, we wouldn't be fucked. No, but... I meant if they owned everything. Oh yeah, yeah, I do agree with that. Yeah, we'd well... be fucked, and uh, women would be too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah they, hate a, they hate a lot of different people over there. So that's what's going to be really. <laughs> they hate a lot of different. It's people bad, dude. They're they're not good guys. They're so that's what makes this really interesting. Is that now they basically own the sport of golf. They own all the major tours. Well, is, is the counter argument though that now they're getting more integrated with American culture and American sports, and maybe that way you know we'll have more of like a worldly society if that makes any sense? I, mean, I see a lot of people talking. The global about government, the, glo- the globalists are taking <laughs> the over. Globalists, they're taking over. This is a way for the globalists to take over. I'm telling you, <laughs> Jesus, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I had to get the Alex Jones out for uh, the day. But well, whenever you do an Alex Jones impression, like you almost have to go near death because when he every single time he fucking goes on a spiel, he, he almost dies. He looks like he has a stroke. Yeah. Turn in the frogs. Turn in the frogs, gay. He needs to throw a jog in the mix. I think here and there. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Cut down Dude, the booze. I love. There's bit. that ad with him, or they're, they're like where he goes on a diet program. They just show a picture of him, and then they're 30 days later, and all he did was get a what tan. It? Yeah, <laughs> and he's sitting there with like a serious look on his or, face. Or, uh, or have you seen the picture of that big dude in the gym who's just drenched in sweat? And he goes, "All right, I took a shit. Now I'm ready to work out." <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> so like, much, yes. this is so much I don't pay attention to the news. What did he just get in trouble for? Again. He gets in trouble for a lot. Where, where do you want to start? He was yeah. in court for like something really serious. Sandy Hook, uh, Sandy Hook misinformation for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Jesus Christ. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, he he was definitely guilty of spreading he, a lot of misinformation sure. about it. And he he, well, he got he owes millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah he's dollars. never going to be like he's never going to have money ever again. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Anyways, um, here's your Loons update, by the way, for the week. Uh, In their latest game on Saturday against Toronto, the Loons had a Titanic-style goal in the 89th minute by uh, Kervin Ariga (laughs) to to essentially draw the game. And the way the Loons spun that was... A draw is not a loss. So Aww. that's the moral of the story. And you say Titanic style. What is Titanic? Well, the, oh, we, like, okay. When we do our Titanic. Yes. yes. I'm like, is this is this like a, an epic, a joke? An epic game-winning goal. Not game-winning goal, but what felt like a game-winning goal. The, the, you know the thing we post every time? Yeah, like, my, my brain went to a very dark place. <laughs> like when the Titanic like actually crashed. thought about a, a ship sinking. Yes. I'm also, like, well, also, I think I disrespect the loons even more for saying that yeah i mean i, I hate it, that it's more of a way to just calm the herd though because the loons fans are probably like fuck ties this is this is america we don't tie and they were like well you know it's not a loss <laughs> well for for soccer fans i think it's a lot it's a lot bigger deal because like when you play a good team you're expecting to lose yeah. so if you draw it gets actually a big deal right well, like, like like when usa 
tied yeah, England. Yeah, yeah everyone was like, let's go. It's yeah. basically a win for us. Yeah, everyone on Twitter, like every USA casual has never watched soccer. Is like, well, they can't beat us at our sport. <laughs> we can't, we can, or the, uh, they we, can't beat us at their own sport. Yeah, right. let, let's see them on the gridiron. Let's see what happens there. Some oh, 12 God. <laughs> yeah, how many fucking SEC championships does the England soccer team The amount team of have? CTE that would come out of that I game know, from the I England know. team. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into bit of the week. Kind of our signature joke, as we say everything around here is a bit. We'll uh, start the far end. Cam, what do you got? I have the uh, hashtag golf guy bet. So all winter I went with hashtag hockey guy, which is still a thing. But uh, I, I vowed myself to golf this summer. And let me tell you, the sport's fucking impossible. I, I'm the worst. Well, but you, I've been, Cam, I've been grinding. you, you got to put time into it. Yeah, I, I'm trying. You got clubs now. Yeah, I bought new clubs yesterday. They feel they're they're all right. I got to get used to them because I was using fucking the garage sale special for the past five years. The the, Cra- the Craigslist yeah bundle. It was yep. bad, <laughs> but so it is really weird to have like nice clubs. It's like I'm not used to that. But no, I've been playing. I've been trying to play at least once or twice a week. So it's fun, but I'm, that, I'm the worst. Best thing you can do is spend a few hours at the range a couple times a mm-hmm. week. Yeah, I went there yesterday and I went there today before the podcast. There you go. See how, how did you do? I'm all right, but like, like I said, I'm not used to the new club. Like, it, it's a, it is different. Like, it'll take time. You get used to them. You gotta. All the strokes are made up around the green. I'd spend, I'd spend half your time actually hitting balls. Mm-hmm. See, the common misconception of golf is I need to hit a million range balls. Mm-hmm. You should also, you should split a million into five hundred thousand putts and chips because yeah. that's yeah. Where, that's where that's where champions are born mm-hmm. is around the green. I, that's where U.S. Open qualifiers are made. <laughs> I like yep. all of my clubs. I don't really like my driver though. But we'll see. Uh-oh. Yeah, we'll see if it changes. Why you don't like it? too light? What's the what? What's the it's deal? Super with light, and I just feel like it's kind of cheap. Like everything else seems nice. But. You gotta get a stiff well, shaft on there. I, that's what she said. Stiff shaft. I, I honestly might like depending on how it goes. I might just get a different driver. But we'll yeah. see. Well, yeah, because I mean, well, because I think you got all Cobra. Yeah. Wait, isn't that essentially Puma's brand? Well, no. So so Puma makes clothes. Cobra makes clubs. Yeah. So it's but this, they're the, they're like a. They're a merger. They're a partnership. <laughs> See, because like I, Ricky Fowler wears Puma, but he uses Cobra. Yeah, clubs. it's it's from the public investment fund. Oh, yeah. it is. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's an umbrella, Jake. It's, but no, that's all an umbrella. I'll probably switch my driver eventually, um, but otherwise, like I feel fine. All right, keep us updated. I'm grinding. Keep uh, keep hitting the range. Put that head down. Look up some YouTube videos, Jake. That's keep what the you, chin straight. That's what you figured shit I out, right? You watch a little a little driving definitely actually helps. I, I need to do that. Like my goal, I have Thursday off. Excuse me. My goal is to watch a YouTube video. On a golf swing and how to stop on skates, and I'm gonna go do both, dude. I uh, see. I used to like watch those YouTube videos all the time. I'm like, like getting my golf swing better and playing, dude. All they did was confuse me. More. I know. Well, <laughs> see, here's the thing: is is yeah, because you can watch a lot of different golf pros. I notice have all these different tips, yeah. different ways. So if you start watching a million of them, you're like, oh shoot, I'm I have all these. You have like a mental checklist you get in your head like, that oh, you wait. have to cross off so, every swing, and it's impossible. I just like I started at one point like I'm just gonna look at one video of a of how not to slice and not look at any others and then for like irons recently i'm just been looking at one tip because like a million different tips on how to you know you know make your irons better or hit a longer ball blah 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 you know it's i'm not my like biggest thing is like inconsistent contact obviously because like i'm trying to just swing super hard so one thing i tried at the range too is i'll do like a half swing and i'll just go slow yeah and then that actually does help yeah I mean, I remember when I first started playing, too, I just tried my hardest to crush the I know, ball. Yeah. And then you kind of realize after a little bit, you actually don't have to hit it that hard to actually make no. the ball, which, well, is, which yeah. is weird. If you watch the pros, though, and you're like, they're actually not swinging that hard except for a couple of them. Look, but, up, yeah. look up Ernie Ells' golf swing. 
It's the most effortless golf swing you'll ever see in your life. Yeah, he, he proves that it's all in the hips, the rotation, mm-hmm, the technique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hitting and the, the ball, striking. just hitting the ball properly. And, and, yeah. and let's let's be honest, keeping your head down is eighty yeah. percent yes. of yeah. your swing. There are so many mistakes that can be rippling effect from lifting your head at any point yeah. of the golf mm-hmm. swing. If if there's one thing that you should teach yourself, hit a full bucket of balls. Don't think about anything else. Just keep yeah. your chin still. And yeah, the chin still is the biggest one. Make that a habit, and that'll fix. Which is a huge problem. Seventy-five percent uh, of the issues that come with a golf. Swing. I, to- I top the ball a lot because of yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Because you move your head and everything yeah. goes up. Well, yeah, you want to see where yeah. it went. That's, exactly. And yeah. then I noticed too. I'm like, oh, I had my eye on the fucking ball. Well, no, because I moved my chin, but I still had my eyes down. It's like, well, no, you got to keep your chin stable. Can't cheat. Literally, Can't cheat on it. Literally, if you keep your chin stable, I probably strike the ball. 99% of the time, right. But I don't mm-hmm. ever keep my chin stable because I'm an idiot. So Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's easy to do on the rain because you're hitting ball after ball after ball. Yeah. But then when you, you're actually on the course, you have you know a few minutes between shots. And on top of that, you, you're going on six beers. Like It gets a little yeah. hard after a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Friday. my biggest thing with golf is I just got to slow down. The, if I actually want to perform and get better, I have to actually four or five beers. Let's start or cutting it off. Not or, get or, black. Or, or, yes. or yeah, don't drink. Don't, don't down like three beers in the first three holes in 90 degree weather with strong Which humidity without did. drinking water. Yeah. And we all were, yeah. and then no wonder I'm sitting there frustrated. I did that on Sunday and like the back, I just fell apart. Yeah. I'm like, this is awful. Yeah, your body's not your bo- dehydrated. Like. Your body feels like jelly. You literally can't keep your arms straight, which is a basic, you know, thing you need to do tactic. You need to do when striking the ball and everything just falls apart. Yeah. yeah. And this kind of rolls into my bit. I got the golf etiquette bit. Uh, we played as a foursome last week, and the place where we played completely fucked us over. So essentially, we just started playing, and you know, after a few holes, a twosome was pushing us. Right? We're nice guys. We know the etiquette. We're, we're swell guys. Yeah, we're swell guys. We're kind enough guys, and we, we let the two guys play through. Right? And you know, a few few holes later, it happens again. A few holes later, it happens again. Eventually, we let three or four twosomes behind us go through, which is horrible course management, by the way. They should be pairing up those twosomes into foursomes. Eventually, it gets to the point we let four or five groups pass us, and we're like, okay, this is ridiculous. Like, um, our pace of play, even with letting these groups pass us, we're three or four minutes ahead of pace of play we're not gonna let anyone go past us because we don't have seven hours to play our round of golf now we want to finish before the daylight wraps up so we just start playing through and we don't let like the sixth or seventh twosome behind us play through um eventually they start talking shit they start hitting balls into us and it got into yeah it got to a scary point when we're leaving a green and we have balls flying right over our carts and i remember it got to the point where uh boss man as we're driving away eventually yelled at them and they just left the course i think after hole 16 Damn. Yeah, but like they were, they were coming, they were yelling at us at hole sixteen. It's not like they were behind us until hole fourteen or fifteen. So I don't understand what happened. But because this course had such poor course management in terms of scheduling a bunch of two sums behind a foursome, um, it just really fucked. It fucked everyone over and it created unnecessary conflict on the course, which actually could have been bad because when people hit into people, that's when fights happen between people on the golf course, and no one ever wants to see that. Well, and this was a nice enough golf course to where it has a cart with the screen. A really nice computer screen in it and it tells you a lot of different things about your round it said that we were playing a minute over pace this which, was after letting four teams four yes, twosomes play so through. we we yeah like despite having to wait for all these twosomes behind us to play through we were still playing at a good pace and these guys yeah so we were leaving i think the 16th green and we were just about to drive around the bushes all this guy had to do was wait maybe an additional two or three seconds to hit skulls one completely over the green screams in front of our cart i just hammer the brakes turn around at him and just go nice fucking shot bud like his ball is dribbling into the road it's going into someone's yard so he's not never getting that ball back (laughs) and uh they must have just went home with their tail tucked between their legs like 
Yeah, because later we had another twosome come up behind us, and it wasn't that different guys. Different guys, and either they were so pissed off that we made them quit, which you know what, good for us. Yes. We were able to screw these guys out of two holes that they paid for because they were the ones being dickheads. Or B, they felt so embarrassed about the fact that they couldn't wait an additional three seconds on a Friday fucking night. It's like, where else do you have to be? This is the best place to be on a Friday. Yeah. Like personally, if I'm stuck behind a slow group on a Friday night. Okay, I'll just sit in the cart and drink beer. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. I'd rather be doing that than have people press behind me. So my other chirp to that is find more friends. If, if you're <laughs> if you're showing up to the golf course with only one person on a on a busy night. Well, it was his girlfriend too, I think, behind that No, was, it was it was two dudes. It was two they dudes. Were? Two yeah, dudes. Yeah. Oh. Make more friends. Yeah. The play girl, golf with the four The girlfriend pe- that you're thinking of, that was another two something that played through. Play golf with Whoa. four people, and you won't have to sit and wait yeah. for foursomes because it's a busy night. I have never been part of a twosome on a busy day of golf, and either A, not expected to be paired up with two randoms, or B, not expected to wait. That's why I'm kind of mad, because the course, they didn't... We had eight twosomes play behind us. They mm-hmm. didn't pair up any of them for pace of play. Yeah. It was, it, they and they this, were the ones who pretty much created the conflict. Yeah, they, they were bumping up, coming up on our ass, and I guarantee you, a couple of them were just because, well, they maybe just genuinely only had two people show up for that four-person tea time, like... He scheduled, or they just booked two people. I guarantee a couple of people are rushed up to the tee box, like, I'm not getting paired up with two people, like all that bullshit. It just creates problems. And then you have that guy behind us saying, motherfucker. Blah, blah, well, blah. dude, shut the fuck up. And We're I know four what, people. I know what some of you are thinking, and I'll say this it's not a shitty municipal, like, course with gas carts without windshields it's a nice expensive this is a course you pay a lot to play it's it's well known it's popular it's well kept this is not the type of place that should be letting this happen the only reason i'm calling it out is because this is the only time i've had this issue with them i played there before and we didn't have the issue so i mean if it happens again we can call off the actual course and we can say it's a shitty course but i'm not going to do that we're gonna give him another chance i'll add this too the starter was an absolute dickhead he was he was he thought he was like the fucking cops he was yelling at us because we were a minute behind to tee off and he's like, you guys are at Leverance. You guys are up now. You're yeah. up now. Dude, you stop. You stopped a little early to start uh, to, you know, wet your towel. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, up, up. He's trying to stop you. Yeah. From wetting I was like, can I wet my goddamn towel so I can clean these clubs when I, I hack up your course? I hate that. Uh, yeah. The, the starters are the worst. I've had the worst luck this year. Yeah. On Sunday, we had the same exact thing. I'm like, dude, you have to calm down. And it's like, <laughs> it's 940. Yeah, I know where you were playing that starter there. He's gets, yeah. This guy I'm acted like he was on a fucking SWAT team the way he was taking this his job so seriously. And he's the same dickhead that clearly let five twosomes out behind yeah. us. So I don't know how that works. But well, Jake, yeah. the same place that I was playing last Sunday, we played at, and the guy was a dick again. Yeah, I know. It, 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 he's being like, I mean, yeah. He's, I guess he had been there for like 30 years and stuff, but it's like, mm-hmm. dude, you can calm down, take well, a deep breath. I understand it's their this job. Isn't Augusta. It's their job to let everyone know the rules, but there's a nice way to do it. Hey, guys, how's it going today? Just to remind you, it just, you know, there's a nice way to do it instead of just being an asshole, which, like, you know, yeah. well, so I've what? been out here in the sun. Okay, well, then don't do this job. Also, what? Tea times are like 10 minutes or like 12 minutes apart for a reason. So yeah. one to two minutes, it's okay. Yeah. I and it's, I'll say, I'll say this is the last thing I'll say on golf. It's few and far between that you find either a ranger or a starter who's not a dick. Yeah. And, and when they aren't a dick, you appreciate it so much more. Like when you drive up on the guy and you're like, what's he going to say? And then he goes, all right, you got, you're going to want to hit a three wood right to the corner. And then you're going to have 180 in and you, if, and then you, you can chip on and you got a birdie. That's what you need to do. Like the, the starter who pumps you up and tells you what to do on the golf course. That's a good starter. Not the starter who's like, okay, now keep off the fairways on hole six, seven and eight and play in under four hours. Let It's like, buddy, what is this fucking junior golf? I know golf <laughs> etiquette. I'm in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, Friday was kind of a disaster for that reason, and it was 90 degrees out. That didn't help. So but. humid. All right, Journalist Jake, what's your bet? Uh, and this is also related to golf. Uh, this is the step out bit. So, you know, when you're, you know, you're stepping up to the tee box about, you know, drive the ball or it could be on a par three, two, whatever. You know what I mean? You're going up for your first stroke. You know, people are making a lot of jokes or insults about you or or the friends around you to the point where it makes you chuckle or gets you flustered. And you might not even be the one to notice that you need to step out where a buddy is like, you need to step out. All right, step out. I remember like we, I think we went to, you know, Bluff Creek a few weeks back and we were all saying dumb shit. You know, as the round goes on, you know, you have a little bit more of alcoholic beverages in you. So you're saying more shit around the tee box while someone is about to, about to tee off. And it gets to the point where people start getting flustered. I remember a couple of times I'm like, I was like laughing while I drove the ball and I really should have stepped out, you know, but it's, it's like, all right, we it got to the point where every, everybody, we had to tell them like, step out. Okay. Step out. Cause we were all saying mo- the most ridiculous shit almost on purpose to fluster people where we're like, okay, man, step out. Step Speaking out of, of like golf etiquette. Like, uh, yeah, that's one thing that our group never does well. Like if, if you're playing with us, just know people will be, will be talking in your people back. Swing and you just got to be cool with it. But it's gonna maybe it's uh, you should golf with us. It's gonna help you in the long run. It's gonna help you deal with distractions and that talking for the tour. No, I, I actually agree. I feel like yeah. I played. Uh, I didn't. Pl- I played with uh, you know my family, my brother and my dad like a few weeks ago, and because uh, they didn't talk and like it was actually a lot easier to play. But I was mm-hmm. glad I dealt with the talking in the background. You know. Well, yeah, like when I play with my dad, if I'm I, like I'll be used to playing with you guys, and I'll be ta- I'll just be already having a conversation with him. As I'm, we're walking up the tee box, and he'll be going up to the tee box, and I'll still be talking because he'll still be asking me questions too. Mm-hmm. But then he'll be like, Wait, "Just shh, be quiet." I'm like, "Oh, well, we were talking, so I'm used to talking." Still. Jake, people tell you to shush though, like yeah. outside of just golf. People, people tell you right. to shut the fuck up all the time. Well, sure, I, I understand that, but we're still having a conversation, and my dad will be talking to me while I'm in the tee box. My, so, you uh, know, my favorite it's a family thing. The, the step out thing's funny. My some of my favorite TikToks. Because a lot of my TikTok is golf now, because I've just been trying to like drown myself in that content. But my Culture. favorite, my favorite videos are like the step out challenge, right? Or like they'll be at like a practice or something. Like I'll see him do it to John Daly all the time. They'll just say some heinous shit to try to get him to like step out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these the, these professional. Yeah, they try yeah, to do it to these so pro- professional golfers. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy to see when they sometimes actually do step out. And they're just laughing their ass Usually off. Usually on practice rounds. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm famously known for like saying my best jokes at the worst times. Like I don't even try to do it, but you know, something pops in your head after a few beers and you just blurt it out loud. And <laughs> it's usually right when someone's about to tee off and I feel fucking terrible. I don't try to do that, but that's, especially in our group. Yeah. That seems to happen. We're like the worst possible thing gets said at the best possible time. Yeah. It's right when someone's about to tee off that you're like, okay, I have a great, I have a great rebuttal to that. Yeah, and our group doesn't do this, but I know that there would be some people who would love if you talked in their backswing because they'd be like, you were fucking talking, I'm gonna go again. Yep. You know, what yeah, I, mean? I know. Just, yeah, it's free relief. Yeah, it's just, just be like, all right, this isn't the PGA Tour. Yes, like, well, I love that J- bothers me. Jack always like Jack always had the perfect line when someone got you know a little bit irritated when someone was talking. You know, we, we played a lot of golf with people. A few people will get irritated every now and then, and Jack will just turn to him and say, you know what, bud, you're not good enough to be getting mad that someone's yeah, talking in your backswing. Seriously, <laughs> I'm like the opposite usually like i'll like if i have a bad tee shot and someone's like oh man my bad i was talking take another one like no that was my fucking dumb ass yeah. making a bad tee shot <laughs> as no, you're throwing it's not your, your driver fault. yes <laughs> well and- well usually it is because of my my fault I usually like to play music during golf because silence is almost more distracting than yeah mm-hmm. when it's like loud as shit so yeah i i forgot 
my speaker in my truck on Sunday, and eventually I'm like, all right, I got to put music on my phone. No, yeah, it is this, nice this to is have hell. music. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, especially when you're just driving between holes or if you're waiting for a bunch of idiots in front of you. So yeah, yep. I totally agree. Um, really quick bit, um, just from this weekend, uh, the Jackass guy slap happy edition bit. Um, for no reason, I was taking absolute piss missiles to the face in terms of slaps. Um, because I guess that's uh, who I am, and that's what I care about doing. Uh, I always find myself either getting tased, shocked, or or punched or slapped um, when I because you're so like I don't want to I don't know if vulnerable is the right word, but like we could just always get you to do the dumbest shit. Well, especially like I, I would say I probably do this stuff sober too, but it's like I just get in this mood. I'm like, let's fucking do it. Just fucking hit me. I don't know how it started on Saturday. I don't know if someone hit somebody or someone hit me. Uh, just for the fun of it, but I'm like, dude, no, do it again. Hit me a little harder or whatever. It just turned into like everybody at her table was slapping me, and then other people started slapping other people. And I actually had a bruise and like a hand mark on my face the next day. Jake, it's because you probably were repeating yourself over and over again, and then usually someone gets fed up with it and, oh, just, yeah. and just either puts their hand over your mouth or they just smack you. Well, I think that's probably how it started. So if, what if, if I'm taking a good guess at it? Someone got probably very just very annoyed at me yelling something, singing something, and they genuinely slapped me. And I probably looked at them. Do that again. No, yeah. do, do it again. Try, try it a little harder. Like it, it generally, because I enjoy it. It had the opposite effect. It's like it's like when you try to hit someone for you know misbehaving, and then it turns into some sort of sexual thrill for them. I think that's essentially what happened. I, I, I guess, but I, I just feel like this is what what started with the the uh, you know with the forming of Jackass twenty thirty years ago, twenty five years ago. Now I should say, just people like me, I guess, being that are want to be hit and hurt for yeah. no reason. So yeah, there you can find a video of me getting slapped on our socials. It's right there. Yeah. It's I fucking died when I saw the tape that. is there. And then there, the, the literally the tape, there was tape on my forehead. I still think the best one is when the Philadelphia guy hit you. Yeah. yeah. And the helmet, just the fuck <laughs> just some <laughs> random dude from Philly. And you're like, he's about to assault me right now. Yeah. He hit me so hard where if I wasn't wearing that helmet, yeah, we went to a, we went died. to a Twins game. I remember, and this was after. Was it? Did we go to the Twins game for this? When we you were, we did it uh, when I was wearing the helmet. Yeah, yeah. It was after the Twins game. Yes, yeah. Or I, before I, I, I literally like, we were just talking to the guy to the right, and all of a sudden he's like, "I'm from Philly," and then for some reason in your head you're like, "You're from Philly, dude? Do you want to hit me, <laughs> bro?" <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wasn't this week after a Twins game? Yes. No, yeah, this, this one was too. Yeah, this was yeah, also. Jake, you can't go to Twins, and, games. and but the Vikings games. But then also Viking games on the road I shouldn't go to because I ended up after at a bar <laughs> getting tased in Buffalo. So. Or, or uh, I'm not, I'll tell you after. There's oh, other reasons. Oh, we can't. Oh. Or we can cut it. I just don't want to have more effort for Cam to cut out what I was going to say. It's, it's, we, we can move on. It's we fine. We can move on. I'll move tell on. you after this bit. All right. It was funded by the Saudis. <laughs> it was funded by the Saudis. Yeah, your PIF is paying for. They're paying people to flood yeah, money. Yeah, that's basically what happened. Um, all right, I'll close this out here. Speaking of dumbasses, um, I'm gonna go with the don't park in ramps bit. Uh, I'm a dumbass, admittedly, and uh, JJ is also a dumbass for deciding to ride home with me because we made the rookie mistake of parking in ramp A for uh, Sunday's Twins game, which was an absolute disaster. We were stuck in that ramp for way too long. Uh, and both the ramp and the internet let me know that I fucked up. I was uh, I was very well roasted and deservedly for being a rookie and parking in the ramp. And I want to apologize to the people because I will never do it again. It was a rookie mistake. I've had a few kind-hearted individuals reach out to me with some better parking options that are a bit of a secret. They don't want me to tell the general public. But uh, yeah, parking in the ramp was... That was like what a high schooler does when he first gets his license. He parks in the closest place because he thinks it's the smartest he or mm -hmm. she and uh, they realize later that they fucked up when you're sitting in the goddamn car watching the Detroit Grand Prix Indy 500 race 
because you're in a stalemate gridlock completely, not moving the ramp. Okay, so Jay, you posted to Twitter. Um, I'm never driving to an MN Twins game again. LOL. With you know the photo in the ramp. Should have Ubered. Thirty minutes ago, someone named Joe Johnson actually commented on that, and I just was wondering if you'd be interested in addressing his comment. Okay. Okay. Um. Uh. He said, "What am I missing? Traffic sucks, but that's the cost of doing business." What? That's, that's what he just that's said. That's the cost of doing business. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's a Facebook comment. It's a Facebook oh, comment. Sense. Yes, that, that makes more sense. Yes. Yeah. Um. I mean, that is the cost of doing business. It is. You know what? When we go to the Twins game, we're not just there hammering beers and and betting on it. We're working. We make content about our favorite sports teams. So yeah, you know what? Sometimes you got to drive there. Sometimes you. It's just guys doing business. Well, yeah. But also in. In your defense or in our defense, we usually will, you know, stay around the stadium. Support after. the economy. Support, yeah, the, local support economy. the local economy. Drink at the well, local watering Drink pool. some Mountain Dews. We, we, we are big contributors to the Minneapolis Investment Fund. Yep. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. Which is funded by the, the PIF. <laughs> and then yes. during hockey season, we're part of the St. Paul Investment Fund. Right? Yeah, yes. It's also yeah, funded yeah. by PIF. Yeah, we uh, we like to diversify our portfolio. Those cities exactly. literally only run because of 10,000 takes. Pretty right? much. That's what my sources say. And we drive Jake alone revenue. supports the economy in Minnesota, <laughs> I do. dude. Holy I think shit. I do. Uh, yes. You're the only reason Uber is still yeah. here. <laughs> Ubers and then... Jake, all the bars. Longville, Minnesota's Because Jake, Jake refuses to take Ubers at 2 a.m. with other people. Yep. Typically. I don't think I've ever ridden home with you in an Uber before because uh-huh. you're always going she's somewhere like, else. Like, oh, I, just, likes... I just met this guy Kevin at the bar. We're going to his hotel. <laughs> what? It's 2 a.m. Yeah. He also Dude, likes... I... What? Yeah. <laughs> wait wait what? who's kevin no no i don't know who that is but no i just i just i was slapped severely on on saturday night too so i didn't know i think I was there was just thing. a lot of missing brains <laughs> yeah yes. how many years did you take off your life last weekend uh several yes me too but dude, <laughs> Every you should have seen jake and i we were trying so the people we went to the twins game with on sunday we were trying to find they were like okay our, our seats are in 238 meet us there because jake and i were like we want a bomba juice Somehow we end up in the third fucking deck in <laughs> like behind, yeah, behind home plate, the exact opposite of where we were supposed to go. Jake just needs a Garmin now because he got slapped so hard. And we, we both just stared at each other. We're like, what the fuck are we doing? And I'm like, <laughs> dude, I don't know. My brain's not working. I'm trying to, trying to think of where se- does, is section 238 even a thing? Or is it like nine and three quarters in Harry Potter? Is it not a real gate or whatever that <laughs> train station i had to pull up a seating chart on my phone and then we had to like call- oh we're on the opposite side of the stadium yeah, like you're a visiting fan yeah <laughs> we, had to, oh. we had to call for help from the, they're like the people we were up there like where the fuck are you guys we're like literally the opposite spot that we're supposed to be yeah we're, we'll, we'll head there right now and <laughs> just go up to like the uh what do they call like the help desk at the at target field <laughs> i lost my dad yeah. i don't know where i am where am i man quick Florida? side tangent you guys ever have to do that like losing uh, your parents? I think I've had to do it in Kohl's before. Dude, I did it at Mall of America. Which is normal. The whole mall security was trying to find my parents. I was no. terrified. You're better off getting kidnapped than you are at actually finding your parents. Yeah, I no like shit. The MOA. That's sketchy yeah, enough lost, place. We lost my older brother there when he was like 13. <laughs> I, I was and I remember the- like three cops showed up with them like, is this your kid? <laughs> and they're like, yep. Okay. I was about that same age. About to be a freshman. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, actually, no, I was younger than that. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm All sorry right. your family lost your older brother at such a young age. Yes, I know. Yeah. Thank God I'm back. So. Yeah. All right, let's take a really quick commercial break, and then we'll get into our interview with Darby Hendrickson. If you like sports betting, folks, well, we have the show for you. We're back on KFAN with our betting show, 10K Bets, every Saturday starting at 2 p.m. 
M, where we go through a half, just a simple half hour show. We talk through sports betting. We have fun segments that we do, talking through our bets, pick talking through our picks. You can take our picks or you can fade us. I don't care. It's a fun show that you can listen to. It's going to be kind of a revolving cast. Might involve me, Wags, Bossman, myself, JJ, maybe Cam, some other folks a part of the 10K brand that are just going to talk sports betting. So if you want to listen to more sports betting and want to hear more of us, more of us talking, which, you know, could be, uh, which we would love. It's a compliment. Um, well, then tune into KFAN every Saturday at 2 p.m. for a half hour sports betting show, 10K Bets. Listen this upcoming Saturday. Folks, summer is here and so is our summer clothing line. We've mentioned it before. The new and improved 10K shop. There's all sorts of awesome stuff on there. Stuff coming down the pipeline. You can just go to 10ktakesmn.com, click the shop tab, browse through all the awesome things we have in the collection. We have all sorts of twin stuff from 10K Rakes to Corn Fed Farmer to the Joey G Revenge Tour. All sorts of awesome twin stuff and more coming, as well as uh, some 10K stuff. There's the spelled out 10K take shirt, the one in the Minnesota state outline, as well as uh, Minnesota sports have already killed me, so I'm already dead. That uh, that bet, you can't insult me. So go to 10ktakesmn.com, click the shop tab. All sorts of awesome sizes and colors you can get in all these different twin shirts. And uh, expect in the fall some really awesome Viking stuff to be coming down the pipeline, wild Timberwolves, gophers, Basically, with this new system, we have the freedom to do whatever designs we want. So 10ktakesmn.com slash shop and uh, buy your 10K merch today. All right, folks, welcome back to It's a Bit. We're joined by a very special guest. We got former NHL player, including a five-year stint with the original Minnesota Wild team. He's now been an assistant coach with the Wild for the last 12 years. We can officially call him a Wild legend on multiple levels. We're joined by Darby Hendrickson. Darby? You're in the sauna room. You're just you're just ready to go. Summertime. It's the soundproof room here, and uh, there might be a Bernice Mountain Dog running in this room at some point. But um, this is my little sauna room. It's in the back corner of our uh, where we live, and I got a wood burning authentic sauna next to me. But this is like uh, I hang out here a lot. Actually, it's my quiet place and uh, perfect spot to be on with you guys today. Awesome. I'm glad to hear you have a Bernie. I have a Bernie as well, and I think they are the best dogs in the world. They are, <laughs> and I love all dogs, uh, but no, just they're exceptional. Our, ours is 115, and I'm looking at him to our left, but they got a calm demeanor when um, when they settle down and they're next to you, and it's pretty good. Yeah, I was going to say, Zane, your dog is fantastic until you get in the pool and he mm. tries to assault yeah, he you. he murders you. Yeah, yeah, he's like trying to save you or something yeah, or kill you. He thinks he's like a lifeguard, <laughs> I but don't know. instead of saving you from drowning, he just scratches the shit out of you. Yeah. yeah. It's fun. I don't know what he's trying to do, but either way, it's it's kind of creepy or scary, but it's it's fun. They're good dogs, though. They're good dogs. <laughs> hey, Dar- dogs. Darby, how was uh, this year's Henderson Foundation Festival? We didn't get a chance to make it out, but we're just wondering how did everything go? Did you get a chance to check everything out? It was great, and, and thank you guys for being there. You know, in different times and different years. Um, seventh year that we've had it. Um, my brother would be a key person as our siblings and our dad. It was his vision to, you know, help different programs that were related to hockey and people that have been through challenges. And um, um, there's five sectors: blind, um, deaf, and um, there's special hockey, sled hockey in the military. So incredible uh, year seven. There was 1,300 um, athletes competing. I believe year one there was 400 plus, but just uh, it's almost tripled. So it's just uh, 
it's it's a neat thing to be around and, and we're fortunate to help and it's uh it's a team thing with with everyone that's there and i think everyone knows with every event it takes so many people to make it happen but there's so many good positive parts of it that uh, are incredible that affect people's lives in, in a great way well and cam and i can personally attest that you'll never appreciate how hard it is to play on one of those sleds for the for the paraplegic hockey players until you've been in that race because uh cam and i were in the in our, the uh the annual sled race that happens at an intermission of the uh, celebrity game. And I think I made it about four feet. Maybe Cam made it like six feet. I'm pretty sure yeah. I cut I cut my hand open with the sled. I was bleeding all over the ice. So. It, was, it was impossible, but it didn't help that Nordy was pushing you the whole yeah, time. Yeah, Nordy was talking <laughs> shit Nordy. the entire time. Yeah. But long story short, yeah, you don't like you don't understand the adversity those those kids overcome and those people overcome to play hockey until you put yourself in their shoes and and uh, yeah, I mean, it's an incredible event. So glad to hear you had a, another good year of it. Yeah, and thank you guys for doing that. And and it is it is hard. I, I've been on the sled multiple times, uh, and they, you know, the, the 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 players that are really good have it's, you know, the the sled is narrower and they can turn and they make plays. And um, you know, when you start, it's like uh, double blades for some kids when they start just to get a base. And I'm a double blader when it comes to sled, and you have such appreciation. I watched a lot of the games this weekend and, and some of these athletes, it's, it's unbelievable. And some have played on national teams. Some are aspiring just to learn and grow, but it's, um, I just, I, I watched one of the games and just saw, I, I, I was amazed and I couldn't believe how good they were um, in terms of hundred percent. They've been doing this for some years now, but it's hard and it's easy to fall off those sleds, but the competition, the compete, that's what that's what's fun to see uh, how hungry how focused and then also the people that support the parents you look you're watching the athletes compete then you watch the parents people that have been with them um just to get them involved and it's uh it's a powerful thing i mean the upper body strength that those those people have is just got to be unreal it's just i'm just i'm jealous like it's just i it's crazy what they can do i didn't i didn't participate on the sleds last year but i wasn't there but I just can't imagine how difficult that is, but the what they do out there is incredible. The goalie sleds so, are the are, are they, yeah. they're the widest ones, right? Because yeah. that's the one that yes. I, that's the one Audra was lucky enough to get, and she right? won the whole. And she thing, won yeah. by like a country mile, so she might have cheated. Yeah, that's we, yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, they are the widest, um, but it. But again, just when when you guys try it, it's hard, and um, you know. But so many things in life are hard for people with adversity. And, and um, I mean, I think that's it, it's a weekend where, you know, all these different sectors that we try and support in, a, in a, a way just financially. And then you get all the people that are incredible, that are leaders of every part. But uh, just, just the hardness that they've gone through, it's a weekend where they can have fun and compete. And, and it's um, it's just it's amazing to watch. And I, I, I still remember our dad. Larry Hendrickson, uh, this was probably 12 years ago. And and he had, I know you talked to my brother who's been on your podcast, talked about he had a, he, he broke his neck when he was playing senior hockey and he always wanted to find a way to give back. And he was fortunate. He ended up walking. He, he, um, and they didn't think he could after he broke his neck and he always had a hope and a thought to help. And before he passed away, it was his vision to, um, give back and help and hundred percent. He trained hockey players. He coached hockey players, but by far, I think his biggest impact was, was starting this foundation and having an amazing, just a, 
a vision to help um, people that were less fortunate or thought they could never play. And he, he didn't ask us to do it. He said, this is what we're doing. So yep. we were like, yes, yes, sir. And um, we do our best. We all, I'm saying siblings, people that have been involved, try and fit in. And there's been so many good people that have stepped up in different ways to, whether it's financial or just be a volunteer um, to make a difference in people's lives. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I just wanted to ask really quick, is there a way that anyone can donate to your family's organization right now, or is it just during tourney time? No, 100%. And actually, the tourney isn't even a fundraiser. It's actually a lot of the monies that are raised actually pay for the event. And um, you just want to create more opportunity for people to get exposure. HendricksonFoundation.com. You can go on there, and there's there's an opportunity to, to, to donate. But there's also an opportunity if someone's listening that might have a family member that is involved in those sectors I mentioned uh, that might want to play. And there's 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 people that you can connect through on there that will help dial you in to be in the proper program and, and, and just get started. And, you know, even if they don't know if they want to do it or play, um, there's different events that happen during the year where they can come and watch and just observe and, and decide if it's for them. Yeah, it's a it's a super cool thing. And, and if you weren't able to get out to the tournament this year, I definitely recommend you go next year because yeah. I remember we went super early in the day last year. And we were just going rink to rink, just amazed at how fast and intense these kids and these these people were playing with, you know, such adversity and how it's just awesome how they can still play hockey despite, you know, having some sort of disability or, or something. So it's it's a really cool event. So yeah, definitely recommend people get out there. But um just to change gears, you know, let's go to your, your playing days. I guess what was it like to be part of an expansion team? I mean, the wild were were a brand new team you know, when you played there and uh, it's just crazy to think at one time the wild were kind of in the position that the Knights, the Kraken are in now. What was it like back in, back in your day? Well, we were early to uh, the wild came in 2000 uh, and I was, I started my career in Toronto. So I was there in the mid nineties um, and Toronto was, was a, was a, it was a fun place to be at that time. Toronto had a history before then where they weren't successful in playoffs. It's, you know, hockey, you know, you're in Canada, it's hockey. Doug Gilmore was the captain. Wendell Clark was there. Um, well, they both were captains at different times. You, you had all these um, incredible Hall of Famers from Mike Gartner to Dave Anderchuk. Uh, and I just wanted, I was just, I was drafted in the fourth round by Toronto. I, I want to get my foot in the door there. And I was definitely not going to come and be on the power play the first year, but I was fortunate to get, play some playoff games, get your, get going. Um, and from there, um, I ended up getting traded to Vancouver. So this is late nineties. And, uh, I was, you know, I, I was excited to be in Vancouver. They were kind of in a rebuild, but I liked the city. They re-signed me for a year. I thought there's a chance to continue your career. I believe I was 28 at that time, 27, 28. You're kind of in the middle of your career. Uh, and then there's this expansion that hits Columbus, Minnesota. So myself probably many players that got picked up you you don't you have no idea if t- a team will pick you up or not and it's different than the vegas era um of the players you could you could pick you know you're you're probably and i say this like realistically they're picking more third fourth line players in that time where um even us when we lost players to vegas it's alex tuck um mm-hmm. you know it's um eric hall ends up traded there but it, it's a different time and uh they paid five hundred million when they came in. I, I don't know what the fee was for Columbus and Minnesota, but I, I didn't. I wasn't sure, you know. And I, I'm proud to be from Minnesota. I'm thankful to still be connected. But I, I actually was not sure if um, 
that was the right thing for me. Um, and I remember getting picked. We had a lake place in Duluth and I've told the story to a couple people and I, I was fishing. I was with one of our, we had a dog then solo and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, the, you're picturing losing a lot of games. You're picturing um, coming home and, you know, just, I think off the ice stuff, just with, you know, you're hundred percent, you're excited to see your family, but just how all that works away from, you know, the game. And, uh, but I got picked and I was, um, I still remember the first day XL energy center. They, they, they gathered all the, the team who got picked in expansion. And some of us are going to play a year, some of us more, um, and we were just excited to see the rink in St. Paul. And uh, we didn't know. We had no idea how our year would go. Uh, Jock Lemire, I can't remember if he was present, but the team was. And there was something special about what you felt, meaning you could be a part of something. And and not just because you're from Minnesota, but something new, and especially with our state. I think that there was just an, an unbelievable um, excitement and support that was was happening, which you didn't really even understand. So um fast forward we're at the rink it's not even completed yet they're showing us our locker room um you know what what it's going to look like this is you know this is june but we start in october and uh i'll never forget our first exhibition game we played anaheim and you know being from here you know there was one other minnesotan jeff nielsen on the team and uh who i played with in college and the guys were looking at us are like like they know hockey's big here but to walk out in warmups with a sold out, um, you know, everyone just the, the energy. It was, it was probably my biggest memory that I'll never forget. Our first exhibition game warmups sold out in St. Paul. Well, you, you also scored the first goal of Minnesota wild history. I mean, uh, well, sorry, first, home, first, home first history. Home yes. Which would be unreal scoring the first goal in Minnesota. I guess. What was that experience? Like how crazy did the place go? Well, I mean, I, I just remember, um, we had a Russian player on our team named Max, Maxim Suchinsky. And I think in that time, um, like with Jacques Lemaire, I mean, we, we had all played in the NHL to a certain degree. We're still, you still have to establish yourself every day. He's trying to find out who he likes on his team. I, I was actually, I just wanted to make, I just want to be in the lineup. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it was a great pass. And that's really the truth. And, and I've, I don't know. I, I if I didn't put that in, my brother would kick my ass. <laughs> but it, it was it was that good of a pass, and it was, you know, it just was one of those moments where, you know, you're just you're going to the net. He made a great play, and you had the goalie beat. And I think I went to one knee just to make sure I had the leverage that it went in. I wasn't gonna <laughs> miss it, but um, no, it was fun. But I didn't. I still, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. You score a goal. It's fun. We were playing Philadelphia. It was an opener, but I didn't. It wasn't really, it was fun, but you wanted to score again, or you wanted to, you wanted the team to win. And, mm -hmm. and yes, you're from Minnesota. Yes. But you didn't think like that. It was, that wasn't your thinking. And years later when it comes up, it's fun. But I, um, yeah, I didn't, it, it was, it was like, it was special for sure. But I also, you didn't want it to define you. You wanted to be a player on this team that competed and was a part of, um, good things to come in the future. The winning mentality. Yeah. I like it. Mm -hmm. Well, you said you were, you know, kind of unsure coming to Minnesota. I know you're from Minnesota, but you're like, well, you know, maybe I have a, you have a better spot in your career in Vancouver or whatever. But when you, you know, like when you came out in that exhibition game or even that first home game, I mean, did it kind of 
was that feeling kind of different then? You're like, this is all kind of coming together or that, you know, you're in the right place or were you still kind of having doubts? No, good question. Um, I think when you first got picked, you're like, what, what's this, what's this going to be like with just the whole everything. And uh, just being back Minnesota and I was fortunate to play college hockey here and, um, you know, grow up here. Um, I just, I, I didn't know if it was the right fit, like the right place, you know, to, I don't know. I just had, I was comfortable playing in Canada. I liked where I was at. Um, but obviously when your home team picks you, 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 you wanted to, you wanted to be good. You want to succeed. You want to be a good teammate, but you wanted, you definitely wanted to represent Minnesota proud, but you also wanted to represent your team the right way. And, uh, but I think as it, as it went, I would say with, once once we practiced, went through training camp. Once the team was kind of getting going, it was it was shaping up. You were it was it, you, you felt um, I don't know. It, it got you back to kind of the game was fun and Jock was demanding, but you were you were growing in a different way that was really special. And we you know we didn't make the playoffs our first year, but you could feel you could feel a sense of movement. And you know, in our year two, we're gonna bring in a number of players. One is Andrew Brunette. One is Sergey Joltak. Cliff Ronning. Brad Brown, J- Jason Marshall. I'm just thinking back to um, the players they brought in, and they weren't like um, you know the the lead of the elite signing for agents, but they were really good players. I think Bruno in Atlanta the year before, even though you know he he was on the ice for a lot of goals against, I believe he had like 50 assists. Like you were bringing in capable people to all of a sudden change uh, could make a play, and and I always say this with Bruno. Um, a lot of people early, we got to our third year, we got to the conference finals and, and people still thought we were sort of cast offs, but we didn't believe that. Uh, you know, if you look at a lot of the history of the players that were in 03, which we're going back years ago, but Marion Gabbert's going to play a thousand games. Jimmy Dowd's going to play 800. Nick Schultz is going to play a thousand. Willie Mitchell's going to win two cups. Andrew Burnett's going to play, um, I don't know, a thousand plus games. Um, Dwayne Rollis is going to play to 36. I could go on and on with, the amount the players there, but the character in our room and the longevity of a lot of the guys that continued to play on um, was pretty amazing. And and we believe in each other in that group. We had an unbelievable coach and staff with Jock and his staff, but we there was a big belief. And it's hard to find that. And every team, you know, expansion or not, it's it's the goal of every team to gel and have the chemistry. But I, I would say one of the biggest ringleaders, and there was many but was Bruno, Andrew Burnett, I think in our locker room from a um, cultural way and just how he interacted, Wes Walls, 100% for sure. Um, we had strength in, in, with people like that that were, were were not, they were demanding. They were demanding to their teammates and, and they were they were big difference makers. Yeah, uh, along the same lines of the the first wild team, uh, a take that we get a lot of shit for that I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on is that we need to bring back those old jerseys. Those need to be those 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 need to be worked into the fold at some point. Whether it's an alternate, maybe one day a reverse retro, considering that those jerseys are the true history of the Minnesota Wild and not the North Stars. What what are, what's your honest take on those jerseys? You think they need to come back, especially now that you're a coach, or do you think they need to stay in the vault? Uh, that's a good question. The green ones were hard to read. I thought that like the it was green with gold on the back. Yeah, like you couldn't yeah, that, really read it, but yeah. But they were they were unique for sure, and and actually there's still you still see a few around, and you're like, that was twenty some years ago. Yeah, I mean, it is weird. It's amazing yeah. 
how time goes by that quick. But I, yeah. uh, I think it'd be fun. But obviously, the jerseys now are good. They've they've have the red. I still think the North Star green that that came back is special. Um, it is, yeah. You know, and we there's still a piece of our history here, and and obviously there's a lot of alumni North Stars that are around, and and there's um you see people at golf tournaments, and I love, you know, I met a lot of the former North Stars that are still here that you respect, and uh, it's I, I I think it was neat the retro they brought back that honored them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Norm Green still sucks. Yes, you still know that in this state. <laughs> yep. Hey, you, you brought up Andrew Burnett a few times. I was just wondering, what are your thoughts of him getting uh, named the new head coach of the Nashville Predators? It's great. Um, I would say with Bruno when he was younger, I'm saying a player before even coaching, um, you, you knew he was an alpha. Like that, whether he coached or not, or if he stayed in the game, you knew he would in some way, but he's, he's kind of he's a natural leader in terms of. Um, his perception, how he sees team, how he talks hockey. He's kind of a 24 seven guy talking hockey. Uh, and he definitely, you know, has fun and he's got a lighthearted way with all of it, but he's, he's definitely, I'd say in all the people that were with the wild. Um, and I know West West coach too, as well. He was in Tampa, but Bruno was, was, he's an alpha leader. And, uh, but you don't know, like he, you know, he, he did coaching with us. He did management. He went to Florida. He coached with Joel Quinville. Then he he finally got his chance two years ago, um, and you could see that he he was dialed to, to be that person to lead. And uh, you know he goes to New Jersey after they make a change, and and uh, now he gets this opportunity at Nashville. He'll be he'll be great. And uh, you need players. You need everything to align. But he will be, I would say, in two years. Um, you know, people are going to be talking about Andrew Brunette again, like they did two years ago with Florida and he's, he's uh, exceptional. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he, he grew up, he literally grew up in the wild. According to my yeah. poster that I had in my room, it was uh, right. him with all of his hockey equipment in the forest. <laughs> it's good so, marketing. Good so, branding. Right and I think it was actually him, Marion Gabrick and uh, Manny Fernandez, but you know, they all grew up in the wild. So he's well, and, a great and gr- growing up to a Minnesota wild fan. Our number one memory is, you know, game seven against Patrick Watt tucking yeah. it and going on. So yeah, that's huge. Oh, three Andrew yeah. Burnett just, Beautiful. He's always had a balance, though. Even though that goal, I would still goes down, and we want another great memory. Um, to you know, and Bruno would love it if if the Wild won the cup. The one thing about Andrew, he grew up in Northern Ontario, but he loved, he fell in love with Minnesota, and he, and I know guys say that, but he loves the Twins, he loves the Vikings. Like he's a diehard baseball guy. Like we've been to baseball games, and he just, we know one of the clubhouse managers, and 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 literally, like he just wants to sit and talk baseball. Um, as much as hockey, like he's just—he's a nerd. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's sports guy. Maybe the twins. And I, 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 yeah, and but in a good way. Yeah, but, yes. I, we we tell him that as friends, but he, um, he loves he loves Minnesota, and I think when he left here, it, it crushed him. And people would, you know, I don't think people. I think the people that know him know that, but he he was involved in a lot of things quietly with um, fundraising or charity. Um, he had a year one year, he coached with my dad at Benilde, one of the lockout years. And he, he'd be with a group of 20 of us at a, at a charity lockout event and tell us we all, um, are great skaters, but we don't play with our head up. And he, I mean, he would, he, he would, he would challenge all of us all the time, but, um, just a unique human who obviously had good memories of Minnesota. He's a culture guy. And, um, I, I still know it hurts his heart that he, left here and and in our world things change people move on but 
I think if you asked Andrew Burnett today, um, you know, he's proud to go to Nashville where he, he did play years ago, but his heart is still Minnesota in so many ways. And not just because of a big goal he scored in game seven, but I think he, he evolved as a leader here with many other, as I mentioned, players, but he, um, his friendships and the people that he know here mean the world to him. And he, you know, you move on, you meet new friends, we get it, but Minnesota still is his place that he loves. Well, I know he talked about, I think when he, I forgot where he went after Minnesota. Was it, was it Colorado? I think so. Yeah. Or, he went to Colorado. Yeah. It, I don't think it, um, yeah, I don't think it matters in this case, but I know that when he said he, he came back and I think when they, did they always have like the pine trees around the scoreboard, even on the old one, or was that what they added to the new one? Great question. Um, I can't remember. Well, I know that, but I know he mentioned that he knew he was, in, he loved Minnesota, like you were saying, but he knew he was in Minnesota and he knew mm-hmm. he was in St. Paul when he looked up at the scoreboard and he could see those pine trees, yeah. kind of the pine tree shapes around the bottom of the scoreboard. He said a lot of rinks kind of blended together. They didn't have a lot of unique, some do, but mm-hmm. he said he knew he was in Minnesota when he looked up at that scoreboard yeah. and saw those pine trees around it. Well, and I think that's how he thinks. Like he, he, he's again. I say the word perception. He, he would, he would take note of that. And he, um, like I, I believe when he was in Atlanta, he's told this story. They played us. I think they beat us one zero. Like all these games were low scoring, and and they were actually Atlanta scored qu- quite a bit. Then he played with Ray Ferraro and a guy named Donald mm-hmm. Aldette. I think their power play. I still remember killing a penalty with Philippe Kuba and they had this play that went to the goal line and back door. Bruno would be on the goal line, Ray Ferraro on the half wall and Donald that on the back door. And we knew it, we scouted it, but there was always a game and a gamer. Is it my guy as a high forward or is it Philippe Kuba's back door guy? And we both looked at each other like that was your guy. <laughs> and Andrew Burnett had, they had, they had done this all year and they scored again. Like they did all year. And we, we still joke about it later, but um, but Andrew, I, he, I remember him telling a story after he flew out of Minnesota or even flying in. I can't remember. I think flying in, just seeing the rinks, it reminded him of where he's from, Northern Ontario hockey and just the culture. Um, Minnesota, obviously being a lot like Canada and he just, he, he remembered the crowd. I think it was like a weeknight, you know, and people were excited. Hockey was back in Minnesota. And he just, when he told that, that was. Clearly, um, we were fortunate that he goes to be a Minnesota Wild. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, kind of transitioning now into, you know, current day, um, how's, uh, how's the experience been, you know, transitioning from player playing to coaching and especially getting to come back and coach, you know, for the team you, you played for in your, your hometown team? Very fortunate. Um, you know, my dad was a coach. It's in your blood. Um, when I retired, I actually played in Europe the last two years of my career. I played in Austria, and it was a good chapter at the end of your career. With, I had young kids, and I was maybe going to go back to Europe. I got into, I did some broadcasting early when Fox was there. Really enjoyed that. The people, it was a good learning experience, and, and I worked for the Players Association, so I was involved in hockey when I finished, and it was fun. I was enjoying. Um, a, a new chapter and then the coaching part came up and Chuck Pletcher was here and um, the opportunity was to be part-time be kind of recently removed from the game don't travel with the team but be part-time be at be at home have relationships be on the ice with the guys learn coaching Todd Richards was the coach at the time 
Um, and I, I was, I was, I was enjoying what I was doing, but I wanted, if I wanted, if, if I was going to do it, I wanted, I wanted to travel. I wanted to be involved. I wanted to not just be at home and I wanted to be on the road and be part of the grind. So, um, that's how it started. And I just, you know, you get into the game and you, you're around every coach I've been with. Very thankful. I was eyeing the sky for a number of years, um, having a voice, but also learning the whole, just the day to day of what happens behind the scenes. Uh, I'll still, I still remember one of our associate head coaches who, uh, incredible human being. His name is Rick Wilson. He was in Dallas when they won the Stanley cup. Uh, I remember getting on the plane eager. I have my computer, you know, you, you know, you're, you're going to pull out your computer and, and be a coach. And he told me, he looked at me, he goes, you know what? Shut that thing down. And he said, look behind you. I said, get to know the players. And I'll never forget that advice he gave me. And as much as videos in our game, um, you know, all the different things that we use from analytics, um, I think his advice was really important. Get to know them, you know, especially as an assistant and get, build relationships with them, um, help them, um, work with them and not just be there on a day to day and, but get to know them. And I, and I think I'll never forget that advice. And I still remember that. And I still try and use that to to have relationships with players. And your job is to hundred percent stay in line with your head coach, hundred percent help your team. Um, but most importantly, get the most out of the players. And, and I've always tried to focus on that. And, and to this day, it's still, I say, fortunate or blessed, but I still can put my skates on and you're in your hometown and, and you want to make a difference in, um, in your role in, in helping your players and, and get to the next level. Like as an assistant coach, what's your like specific role? Do you ever find yourself maybe stepping on some other coach's toes or how does that work? Is everything really well-defined? Uh, like with Dean Evison, very well defined right now. So I work with our forwards. Um, offensive zone would be my focus. Um, also, I would work with our centermen with face-offs. But we also have Brett McLean, who was here, and Dean, who've been centermen. So we all collectively are involved in that six on five. Um, he's given me responsibility there, and also our pre-scouts. So our five on five pre-scouts, Dean would do. On certain nights, he would do it, and on certain nights, he would allow me to do that. And then we, our other assistants would be focused on power play, penalty kill. Obviously, our goalie coach focused with our goalies, um, but our roles are very defined, and we all have a voice in a different way. And Dean's been incredible at giving us all a voice in terms of our roles, um, whether it's in practice on a day-to-day, leading drills, or even in between periods, um, you know, speaking, talking to the team, where that's that's pretty unheard of with a lot of head coaches they're the messenger on, on every in between period with whatever we have to do to adjust tactically or remind players of you know you know just just a quick you know it could be a 30 second meeting but he's allowed us really to have a voice and uh he's been unbelievable at giving us that opportunity well yeah speaking of dean i mean does it hurt whenever you get punched <laughs> after an ot yes. winner <laughs> a lot a lot, <laughs> a lot. Oh. And, and, you know, we, our staff had worked with Dean, um, you know, part of our staff had before he became a head coach. So we, we know he's intense, but we, we didn't know that was coming, meaning that he would give us left hooks on the bench when we had <laughs> time and stuff. So, so that, no, so I think early on when Dean became head coach, um, you know, all of a sudden 
all of a sudden you're getting a left hook and you're you're like whoa um <laughs> where's but, this coming from but but the passion that he has i think is great um you know and we don't see all that stuff like we we watch our game tape like we don't watch um we don't see a lot of we're watching our zones we're watching our game we don't you know we don't see all the highlight stuff so when people bring it up yeah we're down there and we don't know what the camera catches we have no idea but i i i I know i love the passion he has and and if you ask every one of our players is dean hard yeah is he fair yeah is he demand a lot yeah but is he intense yeah but you need those intangibles and uh i think dean's intensity is great and i love it and he cares and i think there's a lot of parts to our game where you know i think people know the cameras on him but i think he's personality where he, he's not focused on that he's focused on his team and his intensity comes out and i think it's genuine and i think anytime you're genuine and you're authentic people respect that if you're trying to put on a show and it's a fake deal people um i think turn the other way but love love is intensity and love that uh i just i just know i gotta i gotta put up a, a guard <laughs> at certain times well when we we got to witness firsthand what what that what builds up to that because there was a certain game against Vegas that we may or may not have been dressed in caddy suits behind the bench and on TV. And uh, in that specific game, we saw him during like uh, when the other team pulls the goalie or even during a three on three, like one minute Mm -hmm. he's standing on the bench, then he gets back down, then he gets back up. Like he's so goddamn antsy that I now, now I understand why he just unloads when we win, because you can tell he's like, Penting up that nervous energy, and he's just—he's got to release it somewhere. So you know, you guys for, just yeah, for to sure. It's it happens it's to our, be you. It's the assistants, yeah, yeah. Or, or, our, or our trainers. Well, I got to ask. Tony to, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but does the punching continue no. when you enter the locker room? It, it could, it could, it could. But he's actually like punched a couple times where like, like um, I think I can't remember what happened, but he cut his—he cut his finger, and you know, we're laughing and we, we don't even know how he cut his finger. Like, what did he hit? I don't, we don't know. Did he hit? I mean, I, I wear a headset. Did he hit the, I, I we don't know, but it's, it's, we laugh. And, um, but usually those are good nights when you've had success or your team yeah. found a way to win. And I, you know, we don't, we don't talk to the players about what they see or they watch Dean and, and they're focused on what they're doing. But, um, no, it's, it's, I think Dean, he doesn't want that attention. I'll be honest with you. Like he, you know, he, that wouldn't be what he wanted. He wouldn't want the focus to be on him. It's just him being him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. And I, and I, you know, I, I just, I think for him, um, he's not afraid to be himself. And at the same token, you don't want it to be focused on you. And it's, Mm -hmm. I, I think he's conscious of, of having fun with it yet. I'm sure when he does, interviews on it he he kind of tries to steer it a different way and play it off yeah and i i was just about to say too uh i noticed one time he even upgraded to snapping a clipboard and uh personally i can relate to that because i coached the 20 i think the 2021 10k minnesotan (laughs) cup team and i snapped 12 i snapped 12 clipboards in one game so that's something that i think great coaches have in common is just destroying the clipboard when it needs to be destroyed well said um (laughs) I haven't done that yet, but you know, head coaches, it happens and they're under, and I would say, here's the other part I'd say with Dean is Dean is, Dean is very calm. Like he, he's, he's got to be focused on our lines, our matchups. 
Um, you know, he's, he's, he is with the forwards coming up on every shift. He's got to be dialed into who's up, who's going. Bob Woods is with our defense. So they're tangoing at the same time. So, but he also has to remain calm. And, and if you ask any player, they, they don't want a coach in their face after every shift. They don't want Mr. Intensity nonstop. There, there's a balance to all of that. 100% when you're ahead and the team is not going and they need a, you need a jolt. Um, you know, and, and at times I'll be honest with you, you know, there's, there's a tough call that you don't love. Dean, Dean going to snap on the, on the refs. He's gonna. And, um, but he also is really good at clarifying with referees. You, you can't just constantly be sarcastic to referees. They have a job to do. We get it. It's hard. Um, but he's going to lean on that at times because we want to get calls and there's a, there's definitely factors throughout the game. If you just sit there and you, you don't interact, it, it's going to, it's going to affect that, you know, you're not going to get a call, but at the same token, if you're on the bench and you're constantly whining, now your players are whining and now it's, it's not productive. And Dean is conscious of that. I think his years, he was in Milwaukee as a head. Um, you know, he's learned, he's learned how to be calm and he's learned if he does snap a little bit, he will come out early in a period and meet with that ref and ex- just want to get an explanation and be, and there's emotion you know, and, and just be on the same page, but it's, um, it's a constant balance because you can be Mr. Intense on the bench all the time. The camera shows it, but if you ask players and it could go too far. And, and I think Dean understands that and he's got the intensity and I think he's balances it really well. And my last uh, Dean related question really quick was, was there anything going through your head when Rick Bowness was like, I guess like yelling at him from bench, you know, across the bench or do you not even notice what was going on? Well, no, we were aware, um, and I do have re- a lot of respect for Rick Bonus. I played for him early in my career with the Islanders, so he's been around the game a long time. Um, I, I think in that situation, um, you know, he's fighting for his team. He sees something he doesn't like. Their team's just trying to get in the playoffs, um, and there, it happens. Yeah. There's emotion. Um, I, I don't know if him and Dean would speak after. Um, you know, maybe sometime in the summer they – they both have their side of what goes on, but uh, those things do happen. I will say the number one rule coaches at times it can happen. It's pretty rare. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with Dean though. I'll tell you yeah. that. Like, <laughs> he's a lefty too, but, um, <laughs> um, but I would, it, it does happen and you're, you're supporting your team. Um, you know what? And there's principal things everyone believes where they, they do look at the bench, but for the most part, the number one rule as a coach, you don't talk to players. Ever players obviously get into their stuff, but as a as a coach, you never engage in, with a player. That's rule one hundred and one. And if you do, um, total disrespect. And we get there's emotions, but sometimes it does happen where coaches, um, they get you know they look down the other way, and it's happened a few times, um, you know, in different games the last couple of years. But I would, it's usually diffused quickly because the players are the guys that play. But I would say. Again, I would repeat, I would, it's good to be on Dean Evison's side. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with those tattoos that no one knows he had. Mm-hmm. Once you see those, it's like, yeah. okay, that's a guy I should probably stay away from if yeah. I'm going to say anything yeah. assertive. So giving you that death well, stare. Yeah. Well, and he's still in good shape, but I just, he's, he's very proud. He played 800 plus games in NHL, but he had over a thousand penalty minutes. And, <laughs> and he, he, you know, he wasn't huge, but he fought, he fought a lot in his day. He fought big guys. He wasn't afraid and he, I think he he had a personality. I believe he scored seventy nine goals his last year at junior hockey. He could score. Yeah, 
but he he when he got in the NHL, he's like, I have to do I have to do more. Um, I might get twenty at some point in my career, which he did, but he twenty goals. But he also he knew he had to fight, and it wasn't fight every game. He had to be a good centerman. He had to be a good faceoff guy. But he knew that ingredient was a part of his game, and he did it. And um, a lot of respect for him for that. Yeah, we love we love Dean. He's an aggressive guy. We love watching him on TV, watching him at the game. So good to hear some stuff about him. But uh, I don't know how much authority you have as a coach or what your coaching style is like. But um, do you ever yell at any of the players when they're doing something wrong? Or, or I mean, let me rephrase that. Do you yell at grown men that could punch your, you know, knock your two front teeth out? Um, at all. I think you have to have a fine line with that. A lot of times the assistants are good cops, head coaches, the guy that puts the hammer down. There's intensity in a game, 100%, um, where you want to get more out of a player, but you, you got to watch that. You're, you're not going to... Um, I mean, a lot, a lot of times, I, I like parenting, our kids are young, you're going to snap, but not. you, you got to really be careful in your role, and uh, you're not ahead. So I always, I always believe stay in your lane. Um, you know, if, if you have a disagreement with a player and you're an assistant or your emotions are um, too much or you feel disrespected or, or on that level, it, it's usually a conversation you have later or a meeting um, where you, where things cool down and there's a good, um, there's a good rhetoric, but um, the second you kind of lose it, um, usually it's not going to be productive. But it's uh, but I say because of playing. I know this with coaches that I've had. You you gotta you know the head's gonna come down and he has to snap at times. But you can't do that too much. But an assistant to answer your question, um, you gotta be really you gotta be real careful. Yeah, uh, really interesting niche question I have for you is uh, you're the guy who has the piece of paper before the game and you hand it to the person in the locker room who's gonna read off the lineup. Do you? Do you have the authority to choose that person or is that, are you, is it usually obvious who you're going to give it to? Like, obviously like Sammy Walker's first game, he's the one reading the lineup, but do you just pick a random person every night outside of that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. That's a fun one. Um, and I, Dean, I think when Dean came in, he, he said, we, we have a couple of final reminders you do. And then you give the, the starting lineup to a player. Our, it's just a pick. Like we sometimes as a staff, talk about someone with energy might be a good call, but it's, it's kind of just, you, you pick hundred percent if the guy's first game, but if we're winning, we, we go back to the same guy. Yeah. So even if Sammy Walker got called up, um, you know, usually it, like if we win, we're, we're not over superstitious, but we stay with how we do it. So um, there's been guys who've got called up. There's been guys who just signed Brock Faber, for example, um, and it's really special when they kind of are in the room and you want to see how they react or their teammates do. Do they stand up? Are they quiet? Do they look at the team? Um, you know, and every team does a different thing. But for us, if we win, we, we stay with, with the same guy. So it's random. And um, sometimes what you walk in the room and you just, you, 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 have any, you, don't, you don't even have it picked yet. But it's uh, it's definitely it's good. It's a fun part before the game. Ryan Reeves, when he first got here, yeah, mm-hmm. um, he didn't get he didn't get it his first game. But maybe four or five games in, he was the right guy at the right time. And I remember just walking out of the room, and we we actually in our uh, coach's room, kind of echoes through uh, the vowels down there at Excel, and um, like 
we could hear them and, and it kept going and going and we're looking at each other and they're like, who'd you pick? I'm like, Reeves. Well, I mean, oh, we, we could hear him. We could hear him, but you can't clearly define his voice, but it was, uh, he, no, they're having fun with it. And there's been a couple times where players, uh, I, two would come in mind, Dumba, Zuccarello. Um, they would come up to you and, uh, just say, give me the card before the game. And I don't know <laughs> I what, I don't know what they have planned. Cause when you hand them the card, we leave, it's their room. Um, and, uh, but there's definitely a lot of times where you walk in the room and you're looking at eyes and eyes are down and guys don't want it. They don't, they don't want the card. So, um, but it's fun. It's the fun tradition. And the, and I, 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 you know, every team I said does different things, but I, I, you need, you need, you need, the game has to be fun. It's a living. We get it. You got to succeed. It's about winning. We, we know those things, but the locker room and the, the little moments and, and, and I actually still believe the the best moments are. Um, we are coaches. We are there to help the players hundred percent. We're a part of everything, but when the players are together and the coaches are actually not there and they have their meetings or they're together, um, I think those are the best times for them, for the players. Yeah. When Revo did it, I think he just, I think he just got in Brandon Duhame's face and just screamed and didn't say anything else. <laughs> that was like the, that was the best part of the one he did, but yeah, those right. are, those are always great videos when they come out. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll be honest with you. We don't see those like we yeah. don't I, I you know that's the first time I've heard that and but it's fun and, and Ryan Reeves is new Ryan Reeves is new to our team um, and certainly he's a veteran certainly he's a personality um, but it, it I think those little moments allow them to be more um, enriched with the team and they're good they're positive. Now, you you brought up Brock Faber a little bit ago, and in a way, in a weird way, he has a similar story to you, right? He's from the U of M as a rookie. He joins a team during a playoff run. Um, I'm just, what are your thoughts on him and all the amazing things he did when he first joined this team? Impressed. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I did not like. I will watch Gopher hockey as much as I can, but we play so much, I don't get to see all of their games. Um, and I, what I was, I think, what we are most impressed about is he's first of all he's strong like he's he's he kind of commands when he's out there just um just communicating he he's a natural sort of ingrained in in communicating with his partner he's very engaged um a, a amazing ability to break the puck out in his own way like he goes back for retrieval um you know and, and there's kind of an art that good players are at they shoulder check they're able to come out of uh traffic or four truckers come at him and, and just find a way it's not always a perfect pass up the middle it could be off the glass but just a innate kind of way to get the puck out and i think in the games you know he was with us um his game is simple he doesn't try and overcomplicate it i, I know there's another level offensively um you know that hopefully that can grow for him a bit but just smart intelligent um i think with minnesota he little things around the net, you know, just defending, not just, not just box out a, a forward, but get his stick, just little parts he learned in college, which is a credit to Minnesota teaching him that. So he came in, um, and just, I think they want just solid, um, really good. And, and he wasn't coming out of our lineup in uh, playoffs and very bright future, solid, soft-spoken, um, but just handled the whole transition from, 100 percent being six miles down the road um knows he's gonna get a chance to play for us but how he transitioned was impressive and it's hard and um i i always use the line jared Spur jared spurgeon is you know 
physically and stature not huge, but he's able when he's on his game to make the game look easy. He he makes passes, he makes plays. He's got a really good stick. Um, he can jump up in the rush. Um, Brock Faber. I'm not comparing him to Jared. I'm just saying he he made things look easy that aren't easy playing against guys in the NHL when you just came from college. Block Faber. Block Faber. <laughs> that that stick <clears throat> he had in overtime of or double overtime of game, game one. one yeah. That's like a play you just won't forget. I know there's plenty more of those coming, but just a clutch moment and you know for him to step up in, in that moment, it's just it's awesome to see. Yeah, bright future and um, but real real you know solid good family and he's he's going to be a big part he's going to have a he's going to have a long career and hopefully it's with the Minnesota Wild for a lot of years yep i'm hoping so too we love i think we met yeah we met his parents at uh, tom reed's yep. after a wild game yep. too and uh very nice people great family yeah hopefully they can be they can uh, stay here for a while cuz he's a great player yeah. on the great asset at the U of M and now hopefully uh, already made, was already kind of making an impact right away in the playoffs so big time mm. And he has a, a sister in special hockey that was actually at our festival, and it was cool. He came up to watch her and support her this past weekend, and his parents were there. It was it was uh, really good. Yeah, and, sweet. And last year, uh, Brock himself was there. Uh, yeah, because we had, we had to do the announcements, and yeah, right. you had to announce Brock Favor. Yeah, that's that. right. Yeah. I had to do the starting lineup. Yeah, that was another thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it was really cool. While we're on the topic of that that uh, picture of taken of him. I don't know if you've seen it, but he's in his gopher sweatshirt pounding on the glass when I think Kirill scored an overtime oh. winner. And they were like two months later, this kid would come and make a clutch play to keep game one alive. Like who would have thought after playing in the national championship? So just yeah. to see him go from fan to player such a quick amount of time, it's crazy to think how that can happen. And actually before I believe um, his first game at Excel, he was uh he never played in Excel with college. So he, you know, he, 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 as a fan, got to watch games there, but he never actually got to play till he played with us, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah. Too. That's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's an awesome experience to see those NHL players. Um, you don't see it really in any other league guys just ending their collegiate season and then just coming out in the brink of the playoffs for these teams. And it's just so cool to see that and Brock Faber being one of them. So hopefully we, but he stays here for many more years because he's uh shows a lot of potential with a lot of our other young guys. But I guess that leads me to another question. I mean, well, how excited are you for uh, the up and coming young guys on the team, especially like the prospect pool that the Wild have? I think they've been rated one of the having one of the best or most skilled prospect pipelines in in the National Hockey League. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. Um, and not just you know our North American players. We've seen Beckman come up. We've seen Walker, who you mentioned. Um, Marco Rossi is obviously, um, very important for our future and our Europeans. I mean, last year we had two first round picks, a Russian and a Swede that have potential in the coming years to be a big part of things. Um, there's another Russian Kutsanidov who is probably two years out, but he's in the Russian leagues. Who's really good. Um, and there's on and on Wallstead, our goalie, who's in Iowa. Um, some of our defensemen that have been drafted high in the last couple of years, um, it, it's exciting and it's, um, they're a huge part and, and there's no doubt, you know, with some of the buyouts to our, you know, players that were here, we're going to need those guys to, um, fill in, you know, it, as soon as they can. But it's also, I would say in the next three to five years, if, as they continue to develop, it's, um, it's going to be, it's going to be really good. And, and, and the potential is I think off the charts and if they can, if they can find a way, this organization is going to be good for a long time. 
Have you uh, made it down to Iowa for a Iowa Wild game? You know what? Last year we did a um, team trip when our training camp ended. We had a practice down there. They practiced, and we got to see their facility, which is awesome. The Wells Fargo Center down there is it's like an NHL rink. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen a game just based with our schedules, but it's uh, it's been a great connection. And obviously, Brett McLean, one of our assistants, is now going down there to be a head coach. and He'll be great. And uh, he was an assistant there before. So um, there's there's just there's good things in, in the future. And there's no question with us, you know, we we have a really good team right now. We have a lot of people coming back from last year um, and we we want to get through that first round and we're going to. And it's 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 hard to make the playoffs. It's just we we believe if we can get through that first round, um, you know, we, we can go on a run in the last two years. St. Louis, Dallas, good teams like we're it's hard. But it's just finding that moment where you grab it and you um, you take off. There's bounces that got to happen. There's so many factors, but those opportunities um, they're few and far in between, and 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 we're we're close, and we got to keep fighting it to, to to get it done. Yeah. So you mentioned that you know McLean is going to be the new head coach down in Iowa. I know he was a, a pretty crucial part of the assistant coaching staff. Have you guys? been talking yet at kind of how you're going to fill that void or who's going to take on what roles because i'd imagine that's kind of shakes things up like it would with any team of of any group of people you know when someone big like that leaves for sure um and that would be dean there's been some discussions but it, it i think it has to play out where he's at with um you know he he would put a list together with billy Guerin, with our organization with you know our managers and 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 pick a person that could be the right fit so those are ongoing. I, I don't know the timeline right now to, at this point in terms of how that will evolve or how that, you know, the person that comes in, but I know those are ongoing and, and uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting how it plays out. I, I will say with, with Brett, you know, I think when you have someone internal in your organization who um, has been here, he's on the same page as Dean. Um that's important. That's important with our prospects to have the same message. Dean's or Brett's going to have his own style as Dean does his coaching, but it's, um, it's definitely, it, it's good to have alignment in terms of that and, and how you're, you are as a group and, and to get the most out of your players. I, I am curious, um, going back to some of your, uh, you know, the coaching aspect. I know, I know you had kids that grew up playing hockey I don't know if you helped coach or, or did coach them growing up, but did you apply a lot of the same intensity as you did, like maybe even subconsciously to like younger kids games like you did, you know, with the wild? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I've helped coach with our teams at different, obviously with our schedule, it's harder, but like some of our lockout years, even the COVID years to be a part and jump on with your kids is uh, loved it. Um, I know if I wasn't coaching professionally, I'd be more involved, but I, you know, I think with our kids or even the kids, you know, where I've been at, we were in Minnetonka area. You, you want to give back to the game and you want to help little things, little details of their game, um, fundamentals, just just little parts that you learned from coaches you had before. You're, you're passing on parts you learned. And it's a constant all the time of just 100 percent. You want to be a good player. My kids, you know, they they want to they want to be good. I have three boys. They, they love hockey. But I want them to be good people. I want them to treat. Uh, I want uh, be a great teammate. Hundred percent have a work ethic, but but like hockey, like like mm-hmm. the game. Like I, 
because I've played hockey, I can't tell them they got to love hockey. They they have to. It's got to be in them, and not just being around the game. And I, parents, or even or even the kids that have grown up with your kids, um, you know, you watch them grow up, and some kids when they were pee wee were an all star, and they kind of get burned out, and you you won't them to like hockey and again i say the game has to be fun for sure but it also has to be you got to work you got to work if you want to be good and but not every kid like when they get to high school it may not be his thing or her thing but it's the game has to be fun and and every player i've ever met ever been around what separates but they like hockey and they're, I, I wouldn't say you're a hockey nerd, like I called Bruno, but I'd say like you're, uh, um, the game is fun. You love going to the rink still. You embrace the hard, meaning you get banged up. You had a tough loss. Um, you got an early morning practice, you, but you like it. And that's the hard thing. I, I think that um, you can't teach. It has to be in you. It's not because your dad's a coach. You're going to learn things with fundamentally how to play and pivot and turn and skate and communicate and stick on puck and all these things we talk about every day but the game has to be fun um to to go and be with your teammates and if it's not it's probably going to end at some point but if it is um you never know where you can go and you might be a a later bloomer and you kind of find your game later but um if, if you if the game is in you and you love hockey um you know what your future can be it could go as long as it or you could play as long as you want well speaking of uh being a late bloomer with hockey uh producer cam and i unfortunately grew up playing basketball and learned to regret that and uh we do we both just started playing hockey this year in, in a beginner league um i'm a i'm a goaltender and cam's a forward which is interesting considering you help coach the forwards what's uh what's one piece of advice as an nhl coach that you could give Cam and I as uh, as new as late bloomers. I like that term. <laughs> um, well, I would say if my well, hold on, let me do a fun one first. My dad yeah. was a hockey coach, so when I grew up, I mean, I was on skates. It was kind of if he was a basketball coach, I probably would have played basketball. But we joke because we have a um, Croatian brother in law who he came to America to play basketball in the day, Division One, and we 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 love that he played basketball, but we joke that. Um, if you if you throw us a basketball, we'll get a rash. <laughs> don't, we don't, we, um, in terms of being a goalie or a forward, um, that's a great question. Um, have fun. I mean, that's a basic answer. But I, it's my thing that I would say to every, um, even if you're playing now, even if you're you you watch people that you want to be like. For example, if it's Mark Andre Fleury or Philip Gustafson, you watch people who are good, how they, and I'm not saying that you want to play in the NHL today, but I'm just saying <laughs> yeah, you watch you people they're good. And, well, I can, because you know what? You can. <laughs> yeah, you never know. But never um, know. <laughs> you, you, you pick someone that you like and watch them. How do they do it? How do they, why are they, I mean, yes, there's natural talent, but you try to emulate that as much as you can to your level. Um, and I'd say that for both positions. That's what you do. That's what, like when I was young, I watched Neil Broughton, um, and I just watched everything he did all the time. He was a centerman. I was a centerman, and I would never get to Neil's level, but I I loved to watch the little parts he did. And to me, then you go emulate that when you play to the best of your ability. And you know what? There's no one like Neil, um, but I, I, you, watch, you, watch, 
you watch those people and and you put that into as much as you can into your game. I'm gonna spray paint my pads gold. <laughs> there you go. Just, just like and flurry. You will become flurry. Just in your mind. Just, yeah, make just, sure to talk to your post. Yeah, I'll I'll make sure I'm gonna get the same exact helmet design as him. <laughs> there we go. And you know no, what? that's and you know what? You might pitch a shutout the next game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It all goes back to the superstition, just like the locker room card. I like it. Yeah. Uh, hey, like so final question for me. Um you uh you played hockey with Brandon Stiggy growing up, right? Uh high school hockey yep. with them. Yep. He was Stiggy Clinic. Yes, yes he was that my killed us. Yes, he was my he coached both uh, Jake and I growing up. He was my Pee Wee coach and then in high school he ended up coaching me in high school. But he used to he told us this one story. I didn't seem to know if it's true or not. You said you guys were in the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament, and you guys were eliminated from winning the championships. You were in the third-place game or maybe the consolation game. And you guys just decided on the power play to see how many passes you could do back and forth between each other. Is that is that true? Did that yeah. actually happen? Um, yeah, it actually is true. Um, <laughs> how many passes was, did you get off? But No, it was more him and my brother. My oh, brother okay. Was that was Brandon, it. Brandon transferred in from Burnsville, and he was he's still a, a great friend, loved their family, um, and a competitor, and good. And I played with him at Minnesota as well. Um, he could score. He could play. And we played on a line together. My brother, Danny, you guys have met him. He's a character. Dan- oh, yeah. Danny would kind of create that stuff. Okay. Like he, <laughs> Danny Danny would, it, like, who knows what. It did happen, though, because those guys would get off on these tangents. And, and <laughs> I, yeah. And actually, Danny Danny would line up for every faceoff and, like, want to, like, cross-check people. And I, I'm, like, taking a draw. And I'm, like, Junior. I, that's his nickname. But I'm, like, just, we got to, like, let's play hockey here yeah. a little bit, too. And I love that he was feisty. But Brandon fit in, fit in great with us. Um, when he transferred, he lived. Actually, I had a water bed. And then we had a bunk bed. And uh, Stiggy actually slept on the floor. <laughs> in our in Richfield in the day and it was old school but we just lived loved hockey played like if we weren't at practice with our high school team we were at the park uh we were either playing boot hockey roller hockey um outside and we it just it was contagious and he was a great fit and and really good and mm-hmm. uh but unbelievable person but him and Danny for sure would have created that whatever <laughs> uh, pass back and forth for sure but we were we were severely disappointed losing the first game um and it's life but it was uh yeah great memories with brandon stiggy love him yeah and he he uh someone who also has grown the game he has grown the game like a lot especially in burnsville him and yeah. his dad they they built up that program they made us they made us some we had a bunch of number one teams growing up so yeah. it sucks to see the program where it is today but uh when it was in his yeah. heyday they, they built it up and it was amazing to uh it was amazing to get a chance to play under him big time burnsville quickness clinic um yep <laughs> brandon his brother his brother ryan um and uh just passionate, passionate people. And Steve, 100%. He was an art teacher. Um, he actually, like, I think after our senior high school, he drew a picture of, uh, like, a senior, like, like a like an unbelievable print that I still have um, that he just gave you as a memory that that is still here. So mm-hmm. love their family. and But he did. They gave back a ton. And uh, we were fortunate to meet him. We're, we're glad they came to Richville. Yeah. Yeah, I still credit like his damn clinic probably for helping me learn how to skate to this day. Yeah. Like it was he was like very hard on you and stuff, but like probably because of that going to those clinics for a few years, I know how to skate at least somewhat competently to this day. So Yeah, yeah and you got better. You got yeah. better yeah. and you put the work in and and again, we say the game is fun. You got better cuz you worked hard and that helped you be prepared when you got to your team. And you had a base, and mm-hmm. and if you just kind of 
half-assed it and kind of went through the summer, you're not getting the same. And Steve would push. But it, it's fun when you're prepared, you're in shape, and you go kick ass. There's yeah. no doubt. And that would be Steve Stiggy. That's great. Um, no, yeah, he's awesome. I don't know. I don't. I haven't seen him in, in a while, but I am hope he's still doing well. Um, but I guess my uh, my final question I have for you is, you know, you grew up, you, you know, or you were in the, the on the inaugural Minnesota Wild team, now been coaching for the last 12 years. You have been around a crowd chant more than you have shout as a goal song. Now, be honest. I mean, would you ra- should we bring back crowd chant as the goal song? Is it more electric than shout or have you come around on shout as the goal song? <sighs> That's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd love to give you a clear cut. Here's what I, I believe. I, I don't. I mean, they had Prince, you know, that that was going on for a while, too. Um, Let's go crazy. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Let's yeah. go crazy. I, you know, it, it's a good question. Um, I I don't know. I, I mean, I want to give you an answer. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope we score more goals. And <laughs> I was going to um, say, that's probably know, the last. We hear, we hear, what, we hear whatever it. they play. Um, and, and we don't, we don't, we don't. I wouldn't I, like we're aware of all that for yeah. sure, but we don't like the hockey ops is hockey ops. We respect what they do, but mm-hmm. it's a great fan question. It's a great question when you're involved. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, I just want to score more. I just want our team to score. <laughs> yeah, more. You just want to win games. Yeah. And that makes right. perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But there are fans that are like, Kind of myself, but they're yeah. crazier than me that mm-hmm. are like, we need crowd chant back. We've like, had uh, we've had Billy G on the show a yeah. few times. We've tried each time to yeah. uh, to convince him to bring crowd chant back, but he is not. He for says it. an adamant no. He's no, not, not okay. bringing well, it back. No. So, so he believes in the shout. He believes. He believes in shout. I tell him okay, it's a well, great wedding song. I don't know if it's a great hockey song. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> well, he's he's our boss. He probably gets the final say. But yeah. I also say. Respect to the crowd, the, the, the people that support us and that are there. They, that's a fair, it's a fair question because they're the you know they're the ones that are there to support that yeah. that have an opinion too. That's important. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be neutral. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, let's just my folk. Let's just score more goals. This yeah. is a hard hitting question. Yeah, I, I totally get it. <laughs> Straight to the point. I want to score more goals, but also sing the crowd chant. These are the issues that matter. Right. These are these yeah. are these are the issues that matter. These are the fan issues that matter. Right. Yeah, no, but fair, it makes fair. perfect sense though that just score more goals. I agree. I agree. Yes, <laughs> I uh, should agree. Darby, the final question I had for you is: uh, we need you to clear something up. So, <laughs> the uh, the mm-hmm. first the first time Cam got your number uh, after the Hendrickson uh, Foundation Festival. Um, he asked if you wanted to come on the show and I, I have to know if you were using type to text or something, but uh, I'm going to have cam read the message. We'll see if you can decipher this. Please please don't take offense to this, but I was very confused. Let's do it. Go ahead. Uh, (laughs) cam enter late text enter. Won't be able Tuesday enter possibly next. Let's talk next week on dot dot enter going on with Eric and Wally dash 10 K enter takes takes tomorrow dot dot enter they do show space dot dot (laughs) you guys do podcasts enter or separate for real that's what i sent you (laughs) i have no idea (laughs) i'd be respectful and and obviously get back to you guys and come on oh yeah but i i had no idea (laughs) and i what time was it sent at oh let's look oh no (laughs) 11 12 p.m well, that's not that bad. No, it's not, not bad. More of it's not like 3 a.m. or anything. It was, in, it was last right. June. Um, 
I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I can't answer that other than to say uh, I got back to you, number one. It's yeah, good. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'll, 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 I have no clue how that happened. <laughs> no, we, we do and appreciate you guys, it. But I you, guys haven't, you guys haven't told me until we're live on the show right now, which – I think it's great. We thought no, we, we, I, I don't know. We thought this was the best time to address it. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We were like, we were like, is this well, some? It was this some sort of uh, a hockey, hockey talk, like some sort of coach assistant code? coach code that he's speaking to us in. Hockey I have lingo. no clue how that came on there. Um, <laughs> and I, I have no answer. I have no answer. Well, uh, we'll just blame it on Siri. That's what I do when I yeah. when I mess yeah, up. Yeah, Siri. I, yeah. Maybe I, it was a voice text because those are those come off goofy for sure. They really yeah. do, yeah. yeah. You know, we'll blame yeah. Siri. I agree. Yep. Yeah. It, was, it would have been funny if like you were doing type to text or whatever or voice text and we're literally right. saying enter dot 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 10k <laughs> yeah. takes dot dot or whatever, how whatever it looks, but uh, we could kind of decipher I, it. That's good. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. Siri. <laughs> Yeah, it's all Siri. We'll, yeah, blame Siri on everything. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been a blast, Darby. Before we let you go, we uh, we have the signature rapid fire here. We're just going to ask you ten questions and uh, mm-hmm. try to get through them as fast as we can. You ready to go? Yes. All right. Number one, favorite hockey player growing up? Neil Broughton, and but I have a second one that I never saw play, John Masic, oh, okay. um, that I've met, but love Neil. He just, um, but respect. Respect John Masich, unbelievable human being. Didn't he just turn like he's still alive? Ninety, he just yeah. turned ninety. Yeah, Jeez. crazy. He wanted like I was the, fortunate yeah. to go to his birthday party the other day. Wow, awesome. Cool. awesome! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, if had, you if you owned a boat, which I don't know if you do own a boat or not, what would you name it? Um, what would I name it? Uh, uh I would name it Gordy. Ooh, oh, okay. There we go. I love it. Like it after after Gordy Gordon Lightfoot. Oh yeah, oh, okay. yep. I love Gordon Lightfoot. That, oh man. Well, I thought you were gonna say Gordy House, so that was like a total like. Well, Gordy House would be good too, but, but yeah, I would name it Gordy or Gordon. But love Gordon Lightfoot. Rest yep. in peace, Rip. Yeah, or yes. uh, or Gordon for Jeff Gordon because the boat goes fast. <laughs> yes. yes, it goes. Mm-hmm, it goes right. fast. Oh, to NASCAR, uh, Minneapolis or St. Paul? Which one do you like better? Both. Wow, okay. both. That's, both. A, that's always a good. A- that's a good I do. answer. I do I, love yeah. both. I live on the west side of town, but I love St. Paul. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to live in Invergrove Heights, and uh, I grew up in Richfield, but I I love both. Yeah. I, I, I could not say one or the other. They're both together to me. And that's why we're called the Twin Cities, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. There's the answer right there. If you had one movie to watch the rest of your life, what is it? I would watch um, The Natural. Okay, mm-hmm. Natural. Yeah, okay. Robert Redford. I like yeah. Robert Redford. one of my favorites. Yep. Um, if you were given an all-expenses-paid trip to North Dakota, would you take it? Yes. Yeah. Go up, go 100%. Up to, go up to the Ralph. You ever been to the Ralph? Yep. We yeah. had an exhibition game, actually, uh, when I played. We played St. Louis there years ago. Okay. Um, and I have met many players or teammates that were, you know, part of North Dakota's program. Um, it's a special place to them. I chose Minnesota, but mm-hmm. a lot of respect. As yeah. a as a former golfer, do you hate UND or are you indifferent? No, yeah. I don't hate. Um, but I, you know, you want to beat them when you play against them. Yeah. And I, um, but I, I respect the people that were there. Even like Gino Gasparini was a coach when I played. Mm-hmm. Um, heck, all but but pretty special program. And actually, I, I mentioned Rick Wilson earlier. 
um, he was a fight. He was part of the fighting Sioux in the day. And, um, he's probably one of the people I look up to as much as anyone in the game. Rick mm-hmm. Wilson, who was, came out of North Dakota as a player. Jack, Jack and I are uh, UND boys and JJ on the far end of the table is from the U of M. So yeah, we, yeah. we have a you lot, we have a fun rivalry when it comes to them. Absolutely. <laughs> Miss, Miss the WCHA. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, yeah. I worked at the country club up there and Gino was a member. So I got to talk to him all the time. He's a good dude. It's a legend. It's a legend. Yeah. Never yeah. forgot to put on his national championship ring. He wanted, you, <laughs> yeah, he wanted, he wanted you to know that, that uh, they are in that right. one. So that's, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go on too much side tangents, but I, I just remembered. I mean, I think you played in like, didn't you play in like the last years at the pavilion at the U of M? I, don't I was know. in that era. Yeah. Are, are you saying the Mariucci arena in Minnesota or up, up in, up um, in Grand Forks? Um, no, it, uh, in Minnesota. Cause didn't Mariucci not open till 1990. I just, yeah, I, well, I missed the new Mariucci arena. Yeah. I played the old, 93, yeah. 93 was the last year of the old one, which okay. is the yeah pavilion. You say pavilion. I, yeah. I don't, um, but yes. That, and that was, uh, that was special to be part of that. Um, yeah, I we missed that. And the new one's great, but the old one was unbelievable. Was the old rink also Olympic sized? No, but it had unique behind the net, it had more space. So it would I don't know what the dimensions exactly, but there was more bigger behind the net to make okay. plays. Yeah. And it had a great balcony and I, I wish they could have somehow and the new one's nice with a big bowl, but brought a little of the old one into the one kind of like they do with old baseball you know baltimore's baseball just just unique i wish they would have brought that in a little bit yeah because the pavilion now is where the volleyball plays yeah i don't know if they played there back then i don't think they did but uh like that it's just crazy when i've gone in there when i was at the u and went to volleyball matches i'm like this is where the hockey used to play this is crazy but it would be probably an electric atmosphere it was awesome couple seats and corners weren't great sight lines but it was it just was the history when you know, you were young and it was, yeah. And the new one's great. I mean, they've won national, they've had teams that have come, you know, not won the national championship in that rink, but there's been good teams for sure. I just, I grew up in an, in the old school where I watched, you know, a lot of good people come out of the old Mariucci. It was pretty special. Yep. Uh, what's a first world problem bugging you at the moment? First world? Yeah. Um, yeah, voice to text. Traffic on voice to text. Yeah, traffic traffic on four ninety four right now. Maybe. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's not good. They just laid down a ton of construction there too. I saw when I was driving back on yeah. Sunday, so it's about to get worse, folks. If you thought it couldn't get right. worse, it's about to get worse. Buckle in, yeah. yeah. I've said just blow that whole thing up and restart it. I don't care how many years it takes. Maybe sure. maybe throw yep. a tunnel in the mix, Elon Musk right. style. Or just create yeah, fine. That's- yeah. That's not cool right now. Yeah, it's Build not, flying cars. It's not great. Yeah. Uh are you a golfer? Um, I used to play more. I, I play probably six to eight rounds a summer now. Okay. Uh, so, so not every day. What's the what's the best club in your bag, what would you say? Putter. Okay. Putter. That's wow. a good club that's to have locked one. in. That's, yeah. a, no, that's a rare that's a rare answer, but the responsible yeah. answer. I like that. Putter. Yeah. Um, who would you say is the funniest player on the wild roster right now? Right now? Um, that's a good question. That's a good one. Um, because a lot of their humor, probably they don't show it around the coaches. I suppose. Uh, yeah, I guess. Or, you know, we you have personalities. Assume? Dumba's a personality. Felino's yeah. a personality. Reeves is a personality. Mark on probably Mark Andre Fleury from what I've seen. 
because yep. he's a prankster. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was Boldy's birthday this year. He brought a cake out and shoved it in his. I mean, simple but fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, like Mark Andre Fleury is still a kid in an adult body playing in the NHL. Who's going to be in the Hall of Fame? It, it's got to be Fleury. Yeah, it's incredible how how much fun yeah. that guy still has. He's um, a prankster for sure. Yeah. What's uh What's the worst fast food place? In your opinion? Worst fast food place? Um, gosh. Um, uh, um, what's uh, pass? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't. Um, Do you have a favorite? Well, we could reverse it. You have a favorite go to? Well, I was gonna. I have a memory with Ken Herbeck. We went to Taco John's, and I, but it was pretty good. So I was going to yeah, kind of say, yeah. but years ago we did a, um, we did we flew up to Duluth. I, I was hurt. It was with um, Bud Grant, Ken Herbeck. Um, to it was Norm Coleman was was running for uh, senator. Tim Pawlenty is running for governor. Um, we just went up there to support them, and I remember we we flew a serious plane up. It was fun. And then we went to Taco John's after, and Herbeck like, like loves Taco John's, and I'm like, this is great. Again, <laughs> Herbeck, and we went to Taco John's just out of Superior, and yeah, I think we ordered like, like 50 tacos. But to be around Ken Herbeck and Bud Grant for one day, it just, I mean, the political, you know, it was it was an interesting. Dick Cheney came in, it was an interesting just to be around everything, but. The memory was Taco John's with Ken Herbert after. So. <laughs> they got those potato lays, though. Oh. Those things are freaking crazy. He, he, he loves Taco John's. Yeah. That's, that's what I learned on that day. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the last one is uh, if you were an umpire in the MLB, what would your strike three call be? Like, how would I do it? Or what? Yeah. Like, my... Yeah. Like, do I got to act? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you got to sure, get what? into it. You're behind home plate. I'd be quiet. I would be quiet. It just, you're out. Get to the bench. You don't have to you don't have to push on. I mean, just just make the it's 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 over. There yeah. we go. Well, it uh yeah. it aligns with your coaching theory that's make it about the players because some umps like to make it about themselves always. and it's all anyone yeah, talks about. <laughs> yeah, stay in your lane. That's that's a you know, when so, if you know, don't don't act like a head coach when you're not. Um, yep. support, be a good teammate be humble and uh but don't be too humble that you're not you know good but mm -hmm. just right stay in your lane stay in your lane yep well uh well darby thank you so much for joining us man we've we've really appreciated this interview this has been a great time to chat with you great awesome thanks for having me on and that whatever text i gave you <laughs> i apologize no but, no um, we it was great we laughed hey. our, we laughed our asses off at that. <laughs> like what's okay. going on like, here is, is he okay <laughs> yeah uh, well and, and thank you for your foundation being in being active the slide and the competitions and that means the world the exposure that you give uh creates opportunities for others to play and um it's a big thing thank you yeah, yeah no problem. That's absolutely what it's all about. We have lots of people ask us, hey, how do you guys bet legally here in the state of Minnesota? Well, let me tell you how. We use an app called Better Edge. Better Edge is a legal online social betting marketplace that allows you to post and engage with other sports betting fans, place no commission positions in an online marketplace. 
compete in direct head-to-head challenges with horrible betters such as myself, Boss Man, JJ, and Producer Cam over here. You can also compete in public or private betting competitions, and you can also buy or sell positions such as spread, over-under, money line, etc., all at current market prices. All you got to do is use the promo code 10K at betteredge.com to get a free $20 when you sign up and verify your ID. Once again, that's 10K at B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E dot com to get a free $20. Win some money. All right, folks. Welcome back to It's a Bit. That was an electric interview with Darby. That's been uh, a long time coming, and uh, I'm glad we could finally at least address the text message. That was that was just so funny. <laughs> Cam literally sent it in a group chat. Hey guys, can you help me decipher what this means? <laughs> well, was, I uh, like that's why I was laughing at first when I first read it off. I'm like, God, I hope he doesn't get mad. But then I'm like, fuck it. No, well, it's, it's a good vibe. It seemed like he almost felt bad about it. We were like, no, dude, it's it's hilarious. Like that. Sometimes you just I've sent texts like that where I'm like <laughs> I couldn't tell you what Jake has sent a text oh, like that yeah. to Wyatt's World in Buffalo. Yeah. Well, the, fu- the funny thing is, is <laughs> yeah, the, I've been the alerted. Good game. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is when I got his number at the when we were like at the after party or whatever last year, um, he accidentally called me and he left me a voicemail. Oh yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't it him talking to us? But yeah, it was the him voicemail talking to us in the voicemail. And that is also hilarious, but it like it doesn't have like context like this did, but like the voicemail was like twenty five, yeah, right now, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, perfect, very like I knew that literally, like probably like one of us three boxes right now, we still have so. So it's <laughs> that that just shows why this whole thing was Siri's fault because she's yeah. clearly not at the ability to decipher the English language quite not quite, yet, quite fully. So. Give, it, give it a few years. We yeah. don't trust AI yet. Yeah, Siri enough. has taken over his phone. Yep, <laughs> I correct. think so. AI but, is taking um, over his life. Let's uh, let's close out the show with ranking our top five public golf courses. I'm going to once again state the word public because we are not daddy's money. We don't have club connections, and we had to play public golf courses, so you just got to deal with it. Once again, I think another list that's going to be very controversial, uh, people are going to probably respond and say, have you even golfed in Minnesota if that's your list? Um, I'm just going to expect it now. I'm going to give you guys the warning right now that uh, this is going to be one of those lists that probably no one likes. Yeah, And also keep in mind, us four are like, when we golf, we golf very similar courses. So mm-hmm. just don't be expecting us to be naming courses all over Minnesota, right? I mean, we're all, we're definitely going to have different courses, but yes, and there's, there's going to be some similar we ones. Live, we live in the Twin Cities. Yes. And there's some that we've never golfed before. All yes. of us haven't golfed. Some of these we maybe like, you've golfed that I haven't golfed or whatever. So don't be saying like, oh, why wasn't this in your list? Well, I've never been there before. Mm-hmm. So calm down. People will get offended. I'm, and that's I'm glad okay. we got the disclaimers out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it doesn't matter at this point. We're still going to get shit on. Viewer discretion is. Oh, yeah. Well, all we do is we end up posting our, our lists on Twitter and Instagram, and they don't have the disclaimer at the beginning. So we're going to get shat on regardless. My, uh, oh. my favorite one is we, we always make a thread and make sure to vote for which one you like the best because it's a little bit of a pride competition. But my favorite is the person who responds under the poll and says, Can I vote for none of them? <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just, <laughs> and it's like, I think you just did. Yeah. That's one vote for nobody. There you okay. Go. So uh, we're going to be ranking top five courses, public courses, in the state of Minnesota. Um, let's start with our number fives. Cam, what do you got? Uh, my number five is Inverwood and Invergrove Heights. Uh, the reason why it's number, my number five is I grew up in South St. Paul. So like growing up in high school, it was like, if you want to go golf, that's where you go. So a lot of memories there just growing up with the boys. Is yeah. it is it a 18? Yeah. Oh. They, well, they have an 18 and they have a nine. Okay. So they, I, was just, uh, I was just here. When I heard wood, I think of Burnham Wood in Burnsville, which is just like a nine uh, hole. 
No, Inverwood's actually pretty nice. Inverwood did that. Uh, they did like a. Th- they lost a lot of money on on this, and they actually almost went under. But they did a three year membership for a hundred and like ninety dollars or something like that. <laughs> so that's a scam for them. Like, yeah, yeah that's they, free they, golf. They, they fucked themselves. Yeah, I, maybe it was a little bit more than that, but it was like dirt cheap. Yeah, and like people took advantage of it. Obviously, well, and yeah. I love giving you know getting my wood inverse. So that that yeah. is hot. I <laughs> think I think they were probably banking cool. on people giving up on golf after like two <laughs> after years, years because it's so hard that they would have just gotten yeah. free money for a membership. But if you play golf enough, then you'll make that back in like the first. Also, few funny memory there. My first ever golf round. I think I must have been in like seventh grade. Uh, club went farther than the ball. First swing. There you yeah. go. I, I just let go. Of was it, it? Was it? Was it raining? No. no. Okay. So you sunny. Just, you just threw the club. Yeah. I'm saying, I, mean, if, I stink. Happy yeah. Gilmore did it, and Cam did it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Cam has a future on the tour. It's yeah, coming. and that yeah. uh, Clark did it in bench warmers with the bat. <laughs> yeah. Correct, but so. we, we gotta we gotta duct tape your hands of the club. If we that, might need to do that, that's your issue. Actually, a good idea because I rotate my club head a lot. Yeah, that's what that's what you were telling me. What the second swing I was yeah. telling you. So, so maybe that's a great idea. Just tape it. You're walking around just with. You might just have to use one club the whole time. But just figure out one that's universal between putting putt, and driving. I could putt with a driver. It's okay. Fine. Yeah, you could. That's probably the easiest club besides your putter to putt with, wouldn't you say? Yeah, a, hi- a hybrid. Oh, yeah, hybrid. hybrid. Yeah. There's, uh, there's actually a lot of players on tour who, if they're just off the green, they use the hybrid in the yeah. rough. That would be weird. Deki yeah. Matsuyama is one of them that I can think of that does that. Psychopath. Instead of chipping, yeah, they use the hybrid just to get the little bump and run. But All right, Wags, you're number five. I got Valleywood, man. It's a classic OG course that we've uh, gone to several times. We're pretty good buds with, uh, is it the, uh, not the owner, like the, the, the manager the, over there? The pro, Jordan. Oh, the club pro yep, over Jordan. there, yeah. Yeah. He's an absolute beauty, but we've uh, we've done several videos over there, and we've had just great times over there. So, yeah, I hopefully uh, – I haven't played there this year, but I'm sure we're, we're – actually, we have plans on playing there a few times coming up here, so looking forward to it. In Apple Valley, obviously. Yes. I was always surprised that there weren't more courses in the South Metro outside of like Lakeville and Prior Lake. I was always, I always thought Egan and Apple Valley would have been just riddled with them. But yeah, mm-hmm. when, when I lived down there, it was hard. Yeah, like, to, to find it. But Valleywood well, is fun. Valleywood's like the one good one in that area I can think. Uh, well, of. I feel like Egan and like Burnsville and um, Apple Valley. All those they have a bunch of like uh, par three courses. They have a ton. Yeah. yeah. It's just not a. There's nine, like nine hole par three lost, courses. They have Lost Spur, which is actually pretty nice for like a, a nine hole. I think that they actually have like par fives and par fours yeah. in there. But I it's like, just nine holes. I like Valleywood's driving range because if memory serves me right, their driving range is like all uphill, so it keeps you honest. Mm-hmm. Unlike, yeah. On like what your yardage actually. And is. if you can hit a big enough piss missile at that fucking water tower, it makes a boing. Yes. We <laughs> hear it on hole one all the time. Yeah. It's great. The child in you comes out and is like, I just want to hit that water tower as many times as I can. That's or, my goal. But if you hook, I, I forget what hole it is, but if you hook it, uh, right, but you know the hole that's like right up against the fence and that hole busy, nine, yeah, yep. busy road. Yeah, if, like if, those cars are fucked. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh, you're thinking of like, hole four. It's hole three. Yeah, yeah. It's on the on. left side. It's like the freeway. Right? Yeah. The, do- the downhill part five. Mm-hmm. The dog legs yeah. left. Yeah, no, I, I've hit several balls in the traffic. Yes. Yeah, I've always, I, I, it's that. That's always something in my mind when I'm on that hole. Is like, just don't pull it. Just don't pull it. Like, <laughs> but when you're like, thinking that, you always fucking. Pull that's it. Like and every the, time I drive on that road, I go as fast as I fucking can yeah. because I know what's on the other side. <laughs> there used to be a different golf course in Apple Valley, and. I forget what it was called. I think it was just a nine-hole course, just a small one. And my grandpa, um, he was driving back in the day. He was driving down the road. He had his windows down, and a golf ball came through the window oh, and just landed that's in the passenger seat. Scared the shit out of him. Oh, that's a pro V. That's a, night- <laughs> a nightmare fuel right there. <gasps> Terrified. Oh. Thank God he had his window down though, because otherwise it would have shattered. Chevy yeah, Chase played as it lies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. played as it lies. I had, to, I had to hit it off Frankenstein's fat foot. Remember. 
Yeah, so uh, number five, I got Rush Creek, which is uh, right up here in the Northwest Metro. Oh, that, yes. Maple Grove, good good course, tough course, a lot of water, hence the word creek in there, um, but a lot of marsh, uh, really pure fairways, very good greens, quick greens, but um, it's a pricey course, I'm not going to lie. It's probably one of the higher quality uh, public courses you can play. I know there's a lot of pro athletes that play that one, um, but really great course. Yeah, Rush Creek's a fun one. It's close to home here in uh, Plymouth and uh, just an enjoyable little track. So Rush Creek. It's very nice. Great, great bar there too. Fantastic. Great, uh, yeah. Really nice clubhouse. There's always a wedding, no matter what day of the mm-hmm. week it is. I swear there's a fucking wedding there. Like I was at the driving range on a yeah. Thursday and there was a wedding and I'm like, what? Like I've been to weekday weddings before, but this place has to be the busiest venue in, <laughs> in the twin cities. Cause I've been to that golf course three or four times, different days of the week. There's always a wedding Sunday weddings. They've had fucking Sunday weddings there. I don't know. So, yeah, Rush Creek, number five for me. Jake? Uh, my number five is Bluff Creek. I always liked Bluff Creek. It was the first uh, place I played 18 holes of golf in my entire life. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice track. You you know, you have some woods out there. It's out in Chanhassen area, beautiful area. And I've always uh, – and we did film a video there as well. And I got to say, I, I, I enjoy that uh, enjoy that course Quite a bit. Been there, out there a lot. One of my probably top three golf memory for me is uh, actually shooting a video out there at Bluff Creek. And we had our uh, buddy who actually was part of the brand for maybe a few months, Aiden. Yeah. Uh, he was he was filming us. But obviously, we had two golf carts and we had filmers. So he was literally sitting on the back where, like the, where you put your clubs and holding on. And in the course of filming, he falls off the fucking golf cart. You guys remember this? <laughs> yeah. Yep. You could see it on the video, too. Yes. We were like looking at or not on the our video that we uploaded and, but we were looking back at it and it's not like the golf cart was still no it was going downhill it was moving when this kid hit the ground he did a little tumble it was hilarious i'm gonna say that a factor of that was uh that him and our other camera guy were uh hammering the electric lettuce allegedly yeah vitamins so, they were ele- popping vitamins yeah. on the yeah, course bro. Yeah. electric lettuce electric lettuce really yeah. great yep so <laughs> that was also when uh we we tried to do this like two group video thing and that was when like eli couldn't get the shot tracer to work when he literally didn't like click start on the app oh yeah so it was supposed it to be it was supposed to be our group versus four other 10k guys in us in a two two team scramble best ball or like uh match play right and so we film all of our content they were going to go film all theirs we we're going to put it together it's going to be this great match first big golf video we did they come in they were in the group behind us they come in oh yeah we don't have any footage i was like fuck was the point of all this then i couldn't get the shot tracer and, to work and i go eli i showed you how shot trace yeah it just wasn't working i'm like what, what does that mean? Like, what wasn't working? I just, I, I couldn't open the app. I'm like, you press the button. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, you literally, so you you end up showing it to him. And you, you so, so what you do is you open the app, and then right here, you click start, and then you go to the right. And then he literally responds, oh, I didn't even think of that. And we're just, that's the basic God. thing you start with. Damn it. <laughs> more, the start of Eli, state that, of skull. That was also, that just goes back to just wasted company time that happens, uh, not that, like, Anyone was getting paid out there, but we paid to play golf there for that reason. Had these camera guys that took time yeah. out of their day. We we took a long time to shoot our round accurately, yeah. but the group behind us didn't shoot theirs. It was definitely a learning experience. Yeah, and you know what? As someone who had to edit those videos, I'm kind of <laughs> glad because it takes about uh, three or four days, full days of working to edit like an 18-hole round of golf with all the camaraderie and stuff. Yeah. So that would have been like a two-month project. Mm-hmm. And back in those days, we weren't getting many views, so... Maybe it worked out for the best, but uh, yeah, good, good number five. Let's go into number four. It's top golf courses, public golf courses, in Minnesota. Cam, what do you got? Uh, my number four is Rush Creek. Yeah. Uh, I'm the worst golfer ever, so it is very hard. Um, I did break my driver there as well. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, 
Uh, it is beautiful, and it's expensive for a reason. Like, it's top notch. Mm-hmm. So it's, top it's, notch. It definitely had to be in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's good. Yeah, good course. Sane. Yeah, I'm going to go with Deer Run. Um, yeah. I, I love Deer Run. I mean, I guess we've blown the secret because we've talked about it so many times on Fridays. They have Fireball Fridays. Where they give They give you a free shot on Fridays. We love to golf there on Fridays. Um, Got to do it more this year. But I also, I, it's just um, the way they take care of their course is just absolutely beautiful there. Mm-hmm. It's not a super wide course. It's super narrow. So you got you to be a little bit more accurate. But um, just a great, yeah, a lot of fun to play. And again, it looks gorgeous there. It kind of feels like um, it's like... It feels like, in a way, a private club, even mm-hmm. though it's public, right? I've always said that. It's yeah. it's old fashioned too. Like the clubhouse, they haven't remodeled it much since probably the <laughs> mid 1900s, mm-hmm. and that's obviously for a reason. Like you walk into the bar, there's a cigar lounge, there's no TVs, there's a fireplace, like leather. It feels like a, feels like a gentleman's yeah, club, right? Yeah. Furniture, like the old guys are, you know, kicking it, having a few beers on tap after the round. Yep. You almost feel like you go back in time a little bit, but. Yeah, Deer Run's a great course. Also, in terms of the the beverage service, if you order a mixed drink there, we learned this last time, they give you a plastic like souvenir cup that says mm, Deer yeah, Run that's on right. it. Okay, that's I've yeah. never got a mixer there, so that's good yep. to know. Yeah. Yep, we have them at the house now. Look yeah, at that. it's like it's, <laughs> those, it's those little things that add up. Yeah, um, it's little things. I it, it, you're right though. It's a little it's a little nice thing at golf courses that actually make you want to return yep. right and play again. Yep. I think uh, it, I'll. I'll Spill the beans. It's on my list, so I might talk about this a little more. But I, I think I've knocked down like my most birdies at that course yep. in my career golf. You want to call it it's a fucking a, career? It's but. a scoreable course. Yeah, yeah. It, so which is a, it's yeah, a good course to have I love a PR it. On. Uh, I would I would have thrown it on my list, but I knew everyone else was going to, have so it, I yep. mixed it up. I threw number off. number four. I got Keller in uh, Maplewood. Yep. That's uh that's that's a great one. A lot of history there. A lot of people don't know that. I think. A U.S. Open in the early 1900s was played there, as well as all sorts of other tournaments. Some lady PGA U.S. Opens have been there. If you walk inside, it's literally just like a, a photo a photo book of history of golf. And they actually shut that course down for like five years when I was in high school just to redo it and uh, bring it back. And I'll tell you this, for like the quality of it, it is one of the most affordable courses you can golf at in the Twin Cities. And uh, awesome bar in there and everything and um, some really cool views. There's uh there's one hole I think it's hole twelve you tee off you have a, a view of this huge lake and there's a massive water ski jump on it, which is kind of cool something you always remember. The only thing I hate about it and I've made the video on on bogeys with Bossman last year is hole fucking three which is a part it's a, it's a hundred and thirty yard no hundred and forty yard par three with a big ass oak tree in the middle, and <laughs> if you want to if you want to be on this green you have to fly it over this tree but put enough spin on it. So that it sits on the back because there's there's woods behind the fucking green, so you basically are either hitting into the tree or you're flying the green, and uh, it actually got I got a lot of shit for making fun of that hole and and how poor of a design it was. I said that uh, whoever designed it was probably on crack or something, <laughs> and um, you know a lot of people on on Facebook specifically gave me shit for that take, but then uh, Golf Digest, which is a very credible golf source, released an article called the top 100 worst designed holes in America. Keller Hole Three was, uh, I think, number fourteen on the list. <laughs> so, yeah, they tore that that hole apart, and I feel like I won the argument. But everything but that hole, uh, great, great track. So I got Keller number four. Beautiful, journalist Jake. Uh, number four for me is also Rush Creek. Uh, I absolutely love this course. It it felt like it was almost like 
I remember rolling up to the club office. I'm like, they have PGA events here? This is insane because it, it just seemed like it had that size and look to it. And the restaurant in there is fantastic. And I love the driving range there also because it's, you know, closer to our house. But I also love the the wildlife aspect of it. When I was at the uh, I was at the driving range a couple weeks ago and I was chipping on their green on hole 18, which is a beautiful hole. It goes right around this pond. There's a lot of like cactails and stuff. See like a shit ton of pheasants just flying around through there. You can hear them cackling and stuff. And like that was like my inner self, like, oh, cool. Uh, Nice pheasants, but uh, no, literally <laughs> yeah. saw a bunch of pheasants cackling and flying around and right by people golfing. You, like you, that's awesome. So that you, wildlife. You, you went there to golf. You ended up getting cocks on the brain. Yeah, I did. I yes, know. cocks always on the brain. Yep. So they're just more on the brain that Bonk. day. But I'm like, you know what? You know, playing there would just be. You know, you just get. You just I felt like it was really kind of outside of the city with that kind of feel. And having played there before, it's a beautiful course. Absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful. Difficult in some areas. Very narrow fairways and a couple of them that are tricky, but. Challenges you a little bit, so I like it. All right. Producer Cam, your number three. Uh, my number three is Bunker Hills. Um, it's another beautiful course, and their bar slash like restaurant area is super awesome. And it like that was our first ever 10K golf tournament. So mm-hmm. that they helped us get off the ground with that whole tournament, and obviously got to give it to them for that. So that's why I like them a lot. They have uh, like 27 holes there, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, they got a lot. That was huge. That was confusing during his scramble it was very confusing that was the only yeah. thing but other but than that the it course was cool. itself was beautiful they had a great place afterwards for the banquet i remember yeah. that yeah i uh that was the only time i've ever played there i wouldn't mind playing there again i had a lot of fun actually yep yep bunker bunker's a good one yeah thanks to them for getting us kicked off the ground with the uh, 10k invitational and and while we're plugging it make sure to sign up for this year's it's at hastings golf club which is a gorgeous course in hastings another team nice just signed club. up so we've really? already yeah another team just signed well, up, look so at that. Shout out. yeah it's a nice club submissions are flying in folks 10 10k takes go to the events tab sign up right now yesterday yep. you said tomorrow <laughs> just do it sign just. up do, do it. it. Yep. So All do right. It now. Number three for me, boys. Uh, it's already been. Uh, it's already been said. It's Bluff Creek for me. That's my home course. It's ten minutes from my house. Um, that's my go-to if I go to a range. I'm going to the Bluff Creek Range. Um, it's a gorgeous course. I love something that a lot of people don't talk about, which I love about it, is their bridges. They're when you drive over a bridge, there's literally 40, 50 feet drops to the bottom. If that bridge gives out when you're when you're driving over it, you're gonna die. I know. So Isn't it is thrilling. It is thrilling in its own way. So it is a. It's a. It's crazy how they built. Um, they built the course around that crazy terrain, right? Um, but yeah, I absolutely love the course, and yeah, it's my home course. So shout out to Bluff Creek. Yeah. It's kind of funny you mean uh, you you say bridges because that is my number three, the bridges in Winona. There we go. Which is a a gorgeous golf course down in Winona where my brother lives. Uh, It's a course that's built basically in the bluffs right along the Mississippi. Uh, There's a lot of really cool holes, a lot of really unique holes. Um, Some of them go directly uphill and then directly downhill. A lot of blind shots, a lot of amazing views of the city of Winona. And uh, bridges, they're very unique. They have those, you know, those massive like steel bridges that are built over two cliffs mm-hmm. where it's like these super tall metal poles. And, you know, they they have like a ton of those because there's all these like valleys and stuff. So, you know, it's it, it, I know a lot of people might give me shit saying like, well, Rush Creek's in way better shape than the bridges, but it's all about like the design, the views, mm-hmm. it's more than just that. So well, what people need to remember is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. People are going to have a different, uh, yeah. different taste of what it's they consider objective. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. There you go. But subjective. yeah, if, if you're a Winona resident or you've played there or you're even going through there for a trip or something, I definitely recommend you stop and play there. It's just such a unique golf course. If you're someone who appreciates 
more than just the course itself and the design and the uh, the experience, I definitely recommend you play there, Winona. So that's my number three. All right, journalist Jake, number two or your number three. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. Uh, number three for me is the Meadows at Mystic Lake. Um, the Met. I feel like you're Doctor Evil. The Meadows. <laughs> um, no, it. Uh, it. Uh, that's a good bit. Uh, no, but I, I absolutely love this course. I didn't play there for the uh, for my first time until a few weeks ago, like a month ago, and. I've always seen it like around Mystic Lake, having been there and stuff for outdoor concerts, but like to play it was just awesome. It was, you know, a very difficult course. I, for me at least, um, with some like what there was like kind of an island green on hole three, um, yes, or I whatever. Lo- it was. I love that, yeah. But it's challenging. It, it had a really nice vibe to it right next to the casino, which that restaurant was fantastic. Um, but it, it, we even played through a little bit of the rain and it was still great, but it was, uh, it's an awesome course. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Totally um, all right, Cam, you're number two. Uh, my number two, so keep in mind, I like haven't golfed as much as you guys, so I haven't been to a lot of these courses, but my number two is actually Theo Worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just like a super cool course. It's not like fancy or anything, but it's in a really cool area, and like the design of it is it's just fun to navigate. Mm-hmm. The, the Minneapolis skyline is the yeah. best part. You get and to it see has that a, about four or five holes. Yeah, and the clubhouse has like an old school feel to it, too. I, I like the vibe there. Well, I think it's it's one of Minnesota's oldest courses, yeah. isn't it? Or yeah, it has to be. I, know, I like, like it a lot. Richer, yeah. yeah. Especially when you start naming golf courses after like former. Is it? Is it like Theodore? Is in the president? No, and then I Worth, think like Theodore Worth was like a real. That's person. a person. Mm-hmm. There's no way he was Let's born see, the, after 1900. There's no way he was not racist. Yeah, yeah probably. So I'm just gonna search. Let's see if he. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm searching saying, his name. Of course, the only oh here we go. He pops up on Wikipedia. Okay, Uh-oh. all it says is he was instrumental in designing the Minneapolis systems of parks. He was Swiss born and he was widely regarded as the dean of local parks in America. There you go. Wow. And Theodore Worth is a is a state park or not a state park? It's a oh, well, it is. Is it regional? Regional. That's something. the word. But there's uh yeah. there's so much shit there. There's the eighteen holes of golf. There's like a little par three course. They have a frolf course if you're a frolfer. They have the bird watchers. They have yeah, they have people doing that. They have cross cross country skiing trails. They have I think a few ski hills because there's like chairlifts and shit. It actually looks like Theodore Roosevelt a little bit too. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So like that was the typical when was he born? Eighteen sixty. Yeah, that's what wow. I said. There's no way that he's guy born was born Civil War. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's seen some shit. Yes, and he died in forty nine. So uh, okay. yeah, he's been he's he been gone for a while. Life, yeah. Three of them, but yeah, great uh, great park and uh, great course. That one's close to us too. So that's a nice one. All right, uh, Zane, you're number two. The Meadows. No, yeah, but I do love uh, the Meadows. Just like Jake said earlier, is my first time playing there earlier this year. Uh, hole three with that island green is a lot of fun. You feel like you're a professional, especially um, especially when you actually landed on that island green. Right, you feel good. You feel good. I definitely did when I uh, landed on there. And um, I remember when we were playing it, they had a uh, they were re- they were redoing hole eighteen, a right? T- temporary mm-hmm. green. Yes, and. That, even even oh. though they had a temporary green, it did not take away from my experience at all. That oh. was uh, we got like half price golf at one of the best golf courses in uh, the state of Minnesota. I had an absolutely blast, and I highly recommend going to the Meadows at uh, Mystic Lake. Yep. the Meadows at so- so- City Sopa. Yep, and uh, that's my number two as well. Just pretty much you guys covered everything. Just a gorgeous course, fun experience. We were lucky enough to play for sixty five bucks. Which if you played the Meadows and you paid to play the Meadows. You're like, that is literally robbery for how nice of the experience and the course is. Um, yeah, I just love Mystic in general. So 
that's the, a that's a no-brainer the golf carts there are also were amazing yeah Top of the line. yeah so yeah. for those yeah. of you who are golf nuts they're the easy goes with like the big cushiony seats and they're lifted off the ground they have pedals like cars they have you know you don't even have to hit the brake pedal which most of them you don't these days but uh yeah they have the screens that tell you the yardages great yeah. great great course great sure. quality polos Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eli bought a seventy dollar polo. Yeah, polo. That was a hilarious Pullover. story. They uh, it started raining, so they're like, "Oh, we'll we'll gamble while it rains." He loses two hundred on slots. He comes out. He buys a pullover for another two hundred dollars to play in the rain. They play nine holes, and he's like, "Ah, it's too bad. We're gonna get a rain check for the other nine. Spend seven hundred dollars in a day in golf's nine holes." Yep, that's a typical six iron move. Yeah, it is hundred percent six iron. That's 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 his bit. That's your buddy, Jake. That's your buddy. He's your buddy. Okay. Uh, um. Jake, what is your number two? Uh, my number two is Deer Run. Uh, beating Meadows, surprisingly, but I just, I absolutely love Deer Run. Like, as we talked about, you feel like you're almost in a private club feel, way more affordable than a Meadows, even though we got it for half price. I'm just saying on a normal rate or normal day. And I just, I just, and the Fireball Friday adding on top of that is great. And the carts are, are have high technology yardages. Everything's fantastic, and like I said, I've uh, sunk a few birdies there in my time. So, uh, yeah. Jake, you just like it because the cart girls there invite us out to bars afterwards. They did, <laughs> um, but we didn't go that one time. But we did end up at Floyd's uh, with when I was with Jack and your buddy Cole, mm-hmm. and the food there was, was some of the best I ever had in my life. That bar down there, yeah. it just uh, Victoria is a beautiful area. Next it's time, next time we play the uh, next time we play there, let's let's hit a Floyd's. Run deer, Floyd's, yeah. Floyd's, the. Uh, yeah, they, I did Juicy Lucy there. Oh, they did? Yeah. There we go. Really spicy wings, I man. six Ooh. vodka sprites, too. Fucking A, yeah. Yep. I, I'm looking forward to the next time we play there. Yep, absolutely. All right, our number ones, top, our favorite public courses in Minnesota. Holy shit. <laughs> the thunder. <laughs> I thought your laptop was going to explode. I thought that was a, a volcano erupting. All right, Cam, your number one. Uh, I might get a lot of shit for this. I don't know if you guys have ever played here, but Hidden Greens and Hastings. Uh, it's absolutely hidden good. greens. I've played yeah. emerald greens. Emerald greens, yeah, but hidden greens. Jesus, how it's many hidden. courses it's, it's, they have? There? It's like technically Afton or Hastings. Okay, it's Afton. absolutely gorgeous. Like it's tech. I would say it's probably in the middle of the woods, but like hidden it, it, greens, it's just beautiful. Yeah, no shit, it's hidden. It is beautiful. Oh wow, that looks yeah. actually fantastic. Yeah, it looks like it is uh, right in the middle of the yeah. woods. I love it all is, the trees. It is so fun to play. It, it it is hard because there's a lot of trees, but even even if you're a bad golfer, like you can appreciate it because it is. It's beautiful. Yeah, looks pretty plush. Awesome. Wags, you're number one. I go with the wild. Uh, it's definitely the most expensive course I've played, and the price tag is worth it. Um, had a blast from start to finish, and also um, because it's so expensive, you can normally get solid tee times there as well. So um, yeah, I'm gonna shout out uh, shout out the wild. Also, another reason I'm such a fan. Growing up, I had a buddy who lived on the 17th green. At night, we would uh, we'd go out there and we chip, and oh, yeah. it'd be a lot of fun. So that's a, yeah. yeah, that's a good thing to do as a kid to sneak on the course. I played and... baseball with that guy. Oh, say say his first name. Nope. Uh, starts with a B. There you go. And uh, a lot of people don't know the Wilds actually inspired the name behind the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, really? Have yes. brought, yeah, Darby could have brought that one up. Yeah, yeah. if you would have loved it. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, missed Good bit. All right. I love the Wilds, too, and I do love Deer Run. Like I said, I wanted to make sure our lists were a little more diverse, so I threw some other ones on there, although this would have been my number one regardless of, of those. And uh, I have Stone Ridge in Woodbury. Played high school golf there for a few matches, and then um, my... My former boss, Scott Cole, amazing guy. If you're from New Richmond, you listen or you've played New Richmond golf course. He was the pro there for years. Awesome dude. Uh, He became the pro there for a little bit, and he was nice enough to let us go out and play there, which it's usually a very expensive course, and he'd let my dad, my brother, and myself play for free. 
And uh, yeah, Stone Ridge is a gorgeous course. It, it plays to exactly my my liking. You know, I I like to have it play an open course and carve the ball and uh, really nice greens, really uh, plush. If you're really a golf nerd, you'll know they have bent grass all over the course there, which is the best kind of grass you can hit a golf ball off of. And um, yeah, just a lot of good memories. It's close to close to where I grew up. And um, yeah, Stone Ridge is is my number one. Journalist Jake. Uh, my number one is uh, Clear Lake Regional Park. You can really get a <laughs> shut good shot at some runners. Uh, no, I'm just hey, joking. we filmed some good skits there. We, we did. We did, but we Honorable were complaining mention. about the quality of that course. Yeah, the no, it's a nine hole. We were just getting <laughs> fucked on by mosquitoes. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. it's actually a really nice I drank uh, wine hole, in a, but... I drank wine in a bag there for a video. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We did a lot Here, for videos. Here's though, what I'll say, because but... I don't want to bash the course too much. It's yeah. a great beginning course. If you're mm, a beginning yes. golf, go go there. Yeah, it's a really great part three. Actually, has, I think, a par four, par five. Yeah, and a whole nine. Yeah, yep. whole nine. But uh, my number one is uh, the Wild Swell. Uh, by far one of the nicest courses I have ever I have ever played personally. I know I I really want to play more courses and diversify my golf portfolio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very uh, golf thing, adult <laughs> thing for me to say. But the Wilds is a fantastic course, as Zane was alluding to. Just you feel like you're kind of up north in the woods a couple at a couple holes, but then you can see the huge houses that are on there, yeah. and it's challenging, but. Definitely scorable, even for someone as good as me. And it was just, it's very plush, very nice. Carts were amazing. It just, even the starter, like they were very, the, the very serious where you have the starter making sure you're starting on time, but he was very polite telling us about the first few holes. Even I remember mm-hmm. like when we played there and see, that's a good, fantastic. that's a good starter, fantastic service, Not the kind of guy who bitches at you, good starter and, and everything The the green, it was just, it was a, a great location. I just, that's the best course I've played so far. Public courses, I should say mm-hmm. honorable mention. I have loggers trail. Yes, um, yeah. I could, this list was actually really hard and I could have came up with plenty more. I've just, some of them I haven't played enough, whereas these are some of the, the top ones I played, but yeah, I could have done twenty of those, mm-hmm. and uh, list could have gone on. But we could make, we can make this a yearly draft for sure. Yeah. I'm sure, or sorry, our rankings for sure, because yeah. we're just going to keep exploring yeah. and just like Jake said, diversifying well, the golf portfolio. Well, mm-hmm. really quick, honorable mentions like Victory Links. Yeah. I like yeah. that because it's like a pro course in a way. You know, um, you know what I don't like about players. Victory Links though, and what? maybe maybe it doesn't bug all the planes flying overhead is a little distracting. I know, I know, but it is a nice just layout. It's you, a nice you have course, a vibe yeah. like it's a PGA course, yeah. and then I like Goodrich a lot, kind of in a shitty area, but yeah. it's a nice course. And then Oak Glen is okay. I, I, I got to say it just because it's near that Patriots Tavern, yep. which is also just an amazing restaurant that's, over in like that's, Woodbury. That's right over. That's actually oh. Stillwater. That's oh, right, that's Stillwater. That's yeah. right by Loggers. Also. <laughs> Another honorable mention is uh, I'm trying to think of the fucking name, but now I've lost it. Well, while we're thinking of the East Metro, oh, uh, in in White Bear Lake, you're playing there. Oh, Manitou. Manitou Ridge is a fun one too. I'm playing there tomorrow playing night there. for the first time. Yep, that's a that's a good one. Um, I like uh, I like Goodrich too. You're right; it is a shitty area, but they got the course is really nice. It's got, one of the oldest ones, and they got the great state. dogs at the turn too. Yeah, my yeah. Uh, my only honorable mention, Jake. Have you ever played uh, is Cleary? Not clear. Where, where's the burn? Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake. Thank I you. I was gonna throw that one on my list too. I've only played yeah, there. I've never once, played there. That's where the Burnsville varsity team plays. I had a bunch of banquets there, and I did. I think a driving. No, I I did like I did nine holes there once. Okay, and yeah. it was a lot of fun. I so. heard it's a good course. It it seems like they almost just like just literally had a plot of land where they just. Well, I mean for every course, but it's like right off the side of the road. It's mm-hmm. busy. It's probably been there a while, but I need to play there. Yep, that's a that's another good one. Hey, anything we missed, uh, let us know. Send us some DMs to check out some new courses. I think yeah. we're all trying to play more courses, so let us know. There's always hidden gems. You right when you think you know every golf course in the city, someone DMs you about one in some 
some back channel yeah. between two cities that they're not on the internet, but they're they're a gold mine. Let us know which other ones we need to play. I remember two weeks ago we got done playing Bluff Creek, and all of a sudden we were driving we were driving back and all, Hall of Greens like right down yeah. the street. We never played Hall of Greens. That. Everyone's I've already heard it from a few people that you got to play like Pioneer Trail. Yeah, I've heard it's that. To, as well. It's the same person who designed Windsong. Yeah, mm. um, and they say it, but it, I've looked up tea times and it's super affordable and it's rated one of the best cor- public courses in the state. Yeah, okay. It's so that's another one. It's over. Towards Chanhassen, I think, over towards Bluff Creek, but also Winsong. I don't even know if you can publicly play there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's yeah. there's also, we haven't even cracked fucking like Giants Ridge, uh, Breezy Point, like Brainerd. I know there's a ton more awesome courses up there to experience. Yeah, but, I need, mm-hmm. yeah. You get more but, uh, yeah, I played Breezy Point, but I was like 11 years old. Yeah, dad, and so drunk. So, and I was yeah, hammered, of course. Already, 11 years old. Yeah, yeah, naturally in Minnesota for sure. But, all right, folks, that does it for another episode of It's a Bit. Remember to sign up for the 10K Invitational on our website, 10ktakesmn.com. Click the Events tab. It's filling up fast. If you want to if you want to sponsor, there's also a link in there. Or if you can't make it and you just want to donate to Give16, an awesome cause, there's a link to do that as well. Also, make sure to check out our shop while you're on our website and uh, look at all the new merch we have, 10K Takes and some new twin stuff. Sorry, another team to sign up for another the invitation oh, yeah, wow, right this second. This is not, it's like it's I, filling up. I think I need to keep bringing it up because every time I do, we get a team. But um, it's going fast. Yeah, it's literally going fast. So make sure to sign up as soon as you can. Um, and then also too, make sure to check us out on KFan as we mentioned. We're on KFan every Saturday talking sports betting at 2 p.m. Central Time, or you can listen at KFan at iHeart.com in addition to 100.3 FM. And also make sure to check out all the other pods in our network. It's on the listen tab. And finally, follow us on all socials at 10K Takes. But thank you guys so much for supporting us as always, and we'll see you next week.